What's going on, loves and lovettes? How are you doing? Welcome to the 92nd edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. We are so close. Those triple figures, baby. It's going to be absolutely wonderful. How are you all doing? Welcome in. Come on, take a seat. Get, you know, chill out, relax, sit down, get comfy, you know, get some snacks. I was going to say nachos, you know, they're, they're probably what I'd go for, to be honest with you. Um, and, uh, and welcome into the Chronicles of uh, Joe Matera. That is absolutely right, baby. Beautiful. I suppose we better get this started. Make sure you don't spill those nacho juice anywhere. Hit it! Hi there. You're about to enjoy the Chronicles of Tom and Jeannie. Hi everyone, I'm Kevin Matten. Hi guys, my name's Annabelle Knight. And Hello, this is Becky Baldwin. Hello, I'm Chesney. Hey, what's up everyone? This is Brayden from Say We Can Fly. Hi, my name's Jamie Tua. I'm an Australian singer, songwriter, guitarist, music journalist, author. And uh, you're watching the Chronicles of Podcast with Jamie and Tom. Check it out and I uh, hope you enjoy the chat. Here our eyeballs move inside their sockets. You may have given him the impression that you would be happy for him to sacrifice you to appease the gods when it is convenient. Are you asleep, Dave? No, mate. I just heard your eyes close. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 92nd edition of the Chronicles of podcast and these are the chronicles of joe matera it is i the bearded brummy of a very croaky voice so he didn't do very well on that one jamie and joining me as always as always is this handsome fella right here do you know what i'll give you a hand at least you tried at least yeah, you tried it no. at least it'd be like do you know what i'll sack that off <laughs> it's a Scotsman Tom. How you doing, everybody? Welcome to the to the ninety second edition. But I'm proud of you that you did. You just went. Do you know what? Fuck it. Even though my voice is fucked, I'm still going to try and attempt the as as high pitch as possible. So I'm actually quite proud. I'm amazed it even came out. I went to sing along to a song earlier. Went and literally no sound came out of me. I couldn't go high pitched at all. But... Unless you did, and only dogs could hear you. Maybe it's that one. So you know, uh, what was the song? Come up and see me. Make me smile by Steve Harley and the Cockney Rebel. Oh, well, this week's, heard of them. This week's ghost, guest Joe Matera played with. So there we are. Oh, that's cool. You almost said ghosts, didn't you? I did. Again, voice is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> All that ghost that he hangs around with every now and again. <laughs> um, Jamie, the big question of the week this week is, um, does a square cut or a triangle cut offer more sandwich? Ooh, that is a very good question. I don't I think intrigued. so, though. I don't think there's really any difference, is there? Well, obviously, because it's the same well, fucking yeah, the bread is the same size. It doesn't matter. But what would offer you more sandwich? Because obviously, if you go for a triangle cut sandwich, you're going to get two crust. If you go for a square cut sandwich, three crust. So are you getting more sandwich <laughs> in the triangle than in the square? It's very hard to take this question seriously the way you're pronouncing sandwich. But... I wanted laughs. That's what, I was, what I'm aiming for is I'm aiming for laughs rather than, oh, thank you, Einstein. Let me work that one out. So carry the oh, two right. times six. Oh, someone's got his sassy pants on this week, hasn't he? But sassy I'm good. pants. All right. Sorry. I'm going to go with a square, a square one because I feel like with a triangle one, 
There's too much awkwardness. You can't just get a good bite out of that. I'm... Yeah, you can. The corner. Yeah, but not everyone likes the crust. I love a crust, so it doesn't bother me. But I'm thinking of a general rule here. Cut the crust off. I mean, the thing, the thing is, like, why are you going to cut the crust off anyway? Because it feels like kids like sandwich. Yeah, just... So I mean, like, because I, I think my mum used to do it when I was a kid to have jam sandwiches, and she'd always cut the crust off. I think I used to hate crust. I eat it now. But I now, but then if you have pizza crust, I find pizza crust can be really filling and ruin eating the rest of the pizza because you get fuller faster. I can see the logic there. I love the crust though, so I'm going to eat it regardless. I always go stuffed. I can't eat any of it. I can't do thin crust or deep pan or any of the fluffiness. It has to be filled with something, preferably a hot dog. Uh, But oh, it's great. Iceland hot dog stuffed crust pizzas, unbelievable. Um, Cheap as hell and tastes great. Probably very bad for you. Um, but no, going back to the sandwich, um, I'm definitely a triangle sandwich man because I think that it's only it's only too crust, crusted and then you've got all that space and all that area, surface area, for filling of sandwich. I and do I always see your point. And then go, um, and then you've got two bits, you go, um, um, and it goes to three, you go, um, 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 and everybody wins. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you've broken down how many bites it takes to eat it and everything. It does, because obviously, can I argue it, obviously it? you go for the corner, it gets wider and wider because you've gone from the the very, very tip of the of the corner of the sandwich, and then you're going to start eating down. So it just gets wider, and it's great. And then obviously, it'll origin, uh, originally, oh my God, let me start that one again. And then eventually, is what I was trying to say, is it will eventually go back to, obviously, less sandwich. But I think that triangle, you definitely can have more filling. But can you put crisps on a triangle one as well as you can a normal one? Well, I don't know what you mean by normal because obviously it's a square one. A square one, you know. Okay, it's still a sandwich. (laughs) Well, yeah, Uh, you could put them in. What do you mean? Okay, is there? Is there? I'm just just thinking in my head. Like, would it not overlap a bit more to the outside of the bread instead of keeping it in tightly compact? Doesn't need to be compact. Are you one of those people that hates the fact if it spills to the outside? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'll push them back in. Really? Yeah, I hate it. Oh, that's really bothers me. That's an interesting. That's an interesting. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. I just, like, if it's a crisp sandwich, I want the crisp in the fucking sandwich, not on the outside. In you'd, be, there. you'd be fucked if you want like quaver sandwiches, wouldn't you? You'll get two in and you're done. <laughs> they're so like you'd be like, oh, well, it'll, it'll ruin the you know the bread to crisp ratio because they're so big or they're so weirdly shaped. You have to just crush them in, surely. But it's just yeah. a cheese sandwich. Yeah, they are good. Crisps though, don't contain any, like, uh, don't contain any nutritional value whatsoever anyway. No. Welcome to the Food Channel with oh, no, Tom yeah. and Jamie. Like, going into this really uh, in-depth. But um, what's it? So cheesier, so it tastes... I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like say, flavors are boring. Go on, Karen. As I, said, I will say hula hoops are the worst crisp to put on a sandwich like. Because they don't Why? break up. They're just there and they like take a bite and like, ow, fuck, hula hoop. Oh, they're a, they're a vicious crisp, old yeah. hula hoop. Yeah. They, get the, they, they, they don't take no shit. <laughs> no. If you're, if you're going to bite into them, they ain't going to stab you in those gums and make them bleed. Oh, I'll yeah. tell you that right now. What's it's just like, oh, whatever, I'm soft as fuck anyway, so who cares? <laughs> um, anyway, let's move on from before we get started turning into right old fucking stories about it. Um Imperial Lather, Sanex Dove adverts. You yes. know, it's like, 
oh my god this is so great to wash yourself in this sort of like this smelling salt and that sort of crap you know those adverts <laughs> yeah I don't know. where they wash themselves so slowly sexily and silkily I wish they'd actually record those adverts properly in a proper shower where people properly wash, where water is fucked up all over the place and they're just like, you know, and they're fucking like uh, jackknifing with a towel and that sort of bollocks. And like a real proper shower. Like, you get in the bed, you're like, what's going on? And it's like covered in fucking, you know, so rather than, oh God, this Sanex is so lovely and silky on my skin. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a shower and gone, oh, this feels nice on my skin, doesn't it? I'm just more like... Yeah. And, then, and then this over the sh- over the shoulder gone, oh, oh, it's so smooth and silky. No, you just literally like, get it in, get it in, bollocks, wash the bollocks, under the balls we go, up the ass, you know, all that sort of stuff, like really get in there to the, into the crevices and whatnot. That'd be a real proper shower. It really would. Like yeah. reality, you've got your arm in your head and go, good, clean them pits. you got ladies or, like holding a boob up, getting the under boob. Yeah. And it'd be like, let's go round again. Because people <laughs> sing on the show, don't they? So, <laughs> Maybe we'll turn back the hands of... T- are you getting this in? Are you, are you getting this in your voice as well? <laughs> Hopefully. Oh, I don't really... I know it's not fucking X Factor, but still. <laughs> you know, when you walk down the street... <laughs> With your big fucking feet, that's a pizza. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I realised that I was singing the Moray, and I was going, I've, "I've gone, I've gone with it. I have to finish it. I can't just leave it there." You know what I mean? So that makes no sense. But that'll be a better shower advert, I feel, rather than just like Dove it. He does the job, <laughs> and it's always the, it's always the shoulder and the arm. Why? Why? Why is it the shoulder every time? It's never anywhere else. No. Probably can't really show anywhere else if you're in a shower, can they? Like, head? I suppose it's feet. <laughs> so head, shoulders, knees, head. To be honest, they're just showing the feet. You just have all these like foot fetish people just watching it going, I fucking love that advert. They were soapy toes. Mm. I'm going to run my fucking fingers through them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just I just watched an advert and I was like, no one showers like that. <laughs> um... <laughs> And I'm gonna. I've got a gripe. Oh, we've got a gripe. So okay, we've got. I've got a gripe this week, Jamie. People that talk on the phone on speakerphone outside with fuckloads of people around, right? But hold the phone over here as mm-hmm. far away from their head as possible. And they're like, "What? What do you say? I can't hear you." Like, just if you're in your own home and you want to have a conversation through the phone, do it over the fuck you like. But you're not going to have any success outside, if I'm really truthful. The wind, obviously, like blowing through everything. It's like, but why are they holding it so far away? I don't understand this method of why this is a phone conversation now. Is it because people do it on Love Island? Is that is that why this happened? I don't know. They have phones. I don't know. People, for some reason, this is dead. This is completely dead. It's all this now. I don't get it. I, oh, and Joshua came around, right? I, I can't believe the dickhead, right? He came around and he had four balls. I don't know what the fuck he was playing at, but he's obviously been at Gemma. <laughs> I think you might actually be on something here because I've often wondered this where it came from. And I remember, ages, I do not watch reality TV, it's a load of bollocks to me. But I remember watching Total Divas, I think it was. And they were sat in the car having a phone conversation on speakerphone like that. And I was like, does this happen on other reality TV? Is this where this is coming from? Why people are suddenly doing this? Because I yeah. don't get it. 
Yeah, that's how a phone works. You put it to your head. No one else needs to hear your conversation. Nope. Absolutely nobody. But it, yeah. it's almost like they're doing it for the effect, aren't they? Like, I, don't, I don't know if they're going to get like, snapped in the paps or something. They're like, oh, yeah. So, like, Jamie came over and he was like, he fucked his sister. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. But he was also inside his mum at the same time. And then, like, basically, Gemma came over and she started licking her asshole. And I was like, fucking hell, her dad's inside now. What's going on? Like, wait, people aren't listening to me. Hang on. Yeah, so basically what was going on? <laughs> yeah, but don't tell anyone, babes. Like, it's a secret. Don't tell anyone, babes. <laughs> I'd sign NDA for this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel that I, 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 you know, and this is this is serious now. I feel that people think they live in reality TV. I think people mimic what they see on TV and think that that's that's obviously cool. I think that's where all these words have come from, like gassed and peak and that sort of thing. I think that's that's all come from as well. It seems to be this new age of. Um, I think they used gas watching AEW last week, and I was like, "The fuck, like, really?" It was it was a bit odd. It's either that or WWE. One of them did it. It's WWE, but still, it was just a, a Corey of gross at it, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's uh, there's going to be a point in time, Jamie, where we'll get older, and the English language will not be as we know it, and we'll have no fucking clue what anybody says anymore." Pretty much, it does seem like it's going that way. But this is where, like, like things like TikTok and whatnot, I think they're great in the sense that people who are so talented but don't have that platform to get out there actually have this free platform to show off their talents and stuff like that. But then you've got the polar opposite side of it. You've got these absolute dingbats that now have this platform where they walk around going, oh my God, I need to do everything in public because everyone needs to see me and act like an absolute tool. Yeah, it's... I love that you use dingbat. I don't think I've yeah. heard that since <laughs> I was about eight. <laughs> you can tell I've been with the kids today, can't you? <laughs> That is absolutely amazing. <laughs> Why is a bat a ding? Is there a, is there a species of bat called dingbats? Are they say is a like, dingbat a real thing? Stupid bats, or are they do they make a bell noise? Or like what is what is a dingbat? I'm quite intrigued. Um, but you are absolutely spot on. When I was away in Manchester for work, uh, we were eating in a restaurant. We we're eating in a restaurant. <laughs> should I say my words didn't come out of my face then? So. <laughs> I don't eat a restaurant. That's not what you do. You eat in the restaurant, not at the actual building itself. That would be a very painful and weird thing to be doing. Yeah, we're not Wreck-It Ralph. Um, But there was two or three girls behind me, and it was all glass windows, doing a TikTok in the middle of this archway in everybody's fucking way. Why? And I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand this whole... it's, It's like the Truman Show now exists. Yes. That is it, yeah. The Truman Show basically is reality now, yeah. Yeah, that's basically, apart from they're not following one person, it's everybody online. Yeah, it's a scary world we live in. Massively, absolutely massively. But there we are, yeah. boys. How are you anyway? How you? How, I see you've been feeling a bit shitty as, uh, as we can hear, yeah. so what's going on? I'm feeling uh, rather crappy, yeah. I'm just very, very tired and run down and just, yeah. I don't know what it is. I feel like since I think we had this conversation on the phone the other day. I feel like since COVID days I'm on, like the common cold has just turned into an absolute dickhead. It's like I went away for a year and a half, bet motherfuckers, and it's just, oh, it is absolutely destroying me. Yeah, the common cold basically went. I see you, COVID, and I raise you this. <laughs> yeah, in the past, if I've got a cold, it's like blow your nose, get over it, mate. And this time, I'm just like. I think I might like just go curl up in the corner and have a cry. I genuinely feel it was because we wore masks for two years. It could be. So nothing nothing could get in. I mean, your ears have a drum in the way. So it, it just had to seep through your eyes. 
It could, it could be the case. It could be the case. But I did want to mention something. I, I was in the car earlier listening to music, as you do. And I heard a song that I completely forgot about. Cast your mind back, sir, to 2003-2004. Do you remember the drama of Eamon and Frankie? Do you remember these two songs? Is this the fuck you right now? <laughs> yes. I'm leaving. I don't want you back or something, yeah. <laughs> I completely forgot about that song when it came on earlier. I was like, oh my God, this was a thing, wasn't it? <laughs> fuck you, I don't want you back. Dude, I think it was all a marketing flaw. I don't think it was actually genuine. I looked it up because I didn't actually know. I was like, oh, I'm wondering this. And it turns out that they basically, he wrote the song, released it, did his his thing as what he wanted to do. And then some, her, Frankie, she basically licensed the music and released it, claiming she was his ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend. And he's like, I've never met this woman. I don't even know who the hell she is. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was, yeah, I remember something like that. He's like, I've only got a writing credit on the song because they used my music for the background. I was like, how nuts is that? And in fact, it became like a number one songs and all this sort of stuff. It is a stupidly catchy song, though. It is a very it's, catchy it's, song. It's, it's, it's again one of those that people don't like to admit they really like. I, I, it, I, it, no, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. I'm not going to admit I enjoyed it because I didn't. It was bloody dreadful. But... I did like the when I thought this was a genuine thing, like two people working together. I was like, that's a great idea to get two songs out there, though. One dish track and then a retort. That's a great idea. It's absolutely brilliant. I wonder what happened to those two, though. Probably absolutely one hit wonders, mate. So I have a Jason Derulo song that I keep buried neatly packed in my little front pocket um, that I'll bash out every now and again um, that I'll enjoy when either washing up or whatever. Or I believe it's it's called What If. I don't know that one. So I just like he doesn't actually say his name in it. So be, I know. Um, I, just, I don't think he does. Now thinking about it, I don't think he does at all. But yeah, I just like enjoying that one. Is it that one? I now can't remember which one it is. I might have to go back. I think it is that one. I can't remember. Anyway, that's again. That's a nice little neatly stashed little song there that I like to just enjoy every now and again um, because. I think the best thing about music is obviously if you if you pigeonhole yourself, there's only so much you can listen to that I think hmm. it's good to have a broad. I'm not sitting there going fucking everybody just the same shit every day as a fucking wanker because you're not you're not at all. Um, but like I like to just mix it up every now and again, so I'll put NSYNC on every now and again because why not? Why not? That's correct. You know? But or I listen to say we can fly like every day. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just like that sort of thing. Like I like to mix it up every now and again. So. I'll be good. That's just me. But yeah, I, I remember it being some sort of marketing thing. Well, I, I was looking up. Apparently, it, it won. I don't know if it's been beaten now. It's the, it held the Guinness World Record for the most amount of expletives in a song it's ever gone into the UK charts. Really? Yeah. But when you think about it, there was a lot of swearing in that. I'm amazed it made it onto radio. The radio edit must have been dreadful. Beep, beep, beep. Beep, 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 beep. But... Uh, Beep me, beep, beep, beep right now, beep, beep back. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> What's on? What? This is a banger, this. Beep, beep, beep me, beep, 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 beep back, beep, 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 beep right now. Like, uh, like, <laughs> oh, back, this is a fucking oh. tune, this. House track. Look at the trance on, get the trance on. <laughs> I'm going to be like, yeah, right on, right on. <laughs> 
I actually looked up at the Eamon guy. He released one of a song called I Love Them Hoes, which is probably why we never heard of him again after that. So, ah. There we are then. And I bet it's just that repetitively, like down, Probably. down, 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 by uh, Paul Johnson guy. <laughs> down, 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 down. So I imagine he was just like, I love them hoes, 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 hoes. I love them hoes, 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 hoes. I love them hoes, 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 hoes. Love them ho, 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 ho. Oh, sorry. It'd be like beep 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this voice is just embarrassing me this week. <laughs> oh. But how are you, sir? I'm exhausted. I'm not gonna yeah. lie to you. Um my me and my brother had like a six hour session on the old PS5 last night, so I'm a bit like huh? <laughs> and the heat in this flat's been disgusting. So I didn't I then didn't sleep. I like it was almost I'm frustrating. I'm so frustrated that my boy does this. I'm one of those people that when I'm awake, game over. I'm up. I can't there's no, that's it, game I'll be like so it literally be like as soon as I go, ah Oh no shit. <laughs> oh, never mind. Game over. So oh, I went to bed at like three, woke up at nine. <laughs> Ooh. So I'm like, is this earth? Um I feel a bit like that today. But uh, yeah, and, I'm, and I don't know what it is, but like, it's not actually been that hot. The humidity has been disgusting today. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised like the human race has started to melt. Yeah, it's, it's been, I've been out all day and it's like the sun's been shining, but there's been plenty of shade and it's been breezy and stuff. It's just, yeah, it's that humidity and the mugginess. It's like, get out of here. British summer. Woo! It can all go away good. now. I've had a week of it. I'm done now. I, I just pray for thunder. I just want thunder, like just break it up a little bit, you know, give us something to be able to actually breathe and yeah. live our lives outside for a little bit rather than, oh, I'll put a t-shirt on me. Look, oh, well, that's that t-shirt done. Straight yeah. in the wash. I want it for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. So what have you been doing yourself here, my friend? Let's, let's move on. Oh, I'll be honest, not a fat lot because I've just worked six nights in a row. So today's my first day off. I've just been sleeping and working nights for six days. So yeah pretty fucking knackered and yeah my body clock's just a bit all over the shop from that but so yeah not a lot we've done two absolutely fantastic interviews um i went to go see the kids today we went to sanford park because thought we could take them to go for a picnic in a park and i was like we normally go to pitville i was like i really don't want to go to pitville park in this heat it's going to be chock-a-block and don't get me wrong i love my own children but everyone else's just need to get out my way so the idea of Pitville Park was hell to me. So we went to Sanford Park. It was lovely. It was quiet. There was a few kids there expected, but it was nowhere near as bad. We had a great time. And then my dad came and saw us as well because he was passing through Cheltenham. So we went down to him and had an ice cream, catched up with him for a bit. And yeah, it was a nice little day. And then... Catched up. Catched up. I can't talk. Caught up. There we go. Sleep deprived and not very well. Leave me alone. <laughs> This spelling starts to seep into your speaking. Sorry. Carry on. At least I didn't try and eat a building. Go away. <laughs> but, but yeah, that, that's pretty much all I've been up to. I've not done a fat lot. Uh, Watching-wise, I've started two new shows. Because I thought, you know, I'm going to have my in-depth get-into show, and I'm just going to have a take-it-easy show. Because I, when I watched 24, it was like all I was watching. I was like, every now and again, you need something just a bit more light-hearted. So I realised... 
I have never watched, apart a few episodes, one of the most classic British comedies of all time. So I've started watching Red Dwarf. Okay. So I'm on like episode three of the first series of Red Dwarf. I get it. I get I get why everyone loves it so much. It is brilliant. I'm really enjoying it. And and thanks to the interview we started the other day, I'm currently on episode two of Yellow Jackets. Ooh. Yeah, it's good. It is really good. It's reaching that point now where the, the story is like really starting to seep in. He's like, oh, in ooh, one episode. Ooh, ooh. No, it's in the second episode. You know, like, it's all you've got the basis of the story, but then the, the juicy bits start to seep in in the early episodes. Yes. Like, to be honest with you, Jamie, when you started saying you're watching stuff, I was like, he's not going to hate it. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't be watching it if I hated it, to be fair. But yeah. But no, it is really good. It is really good. I'm enjoying it. Of course, I'm enjoying it. I mean, I enjoy everything. Yes, I know. I know. Nothing wrong with being a positive person, Mr. Stevens. <laughs> oh, no, I know, absolutely. But there's also things of opinion as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much my week, man. I've done nothing. I've done absolutely nothing. I've just been working. No, fair. Fair. Absolutely. Um, well, it's been, like, rearing-wise, is a very interesting time right now. Um a very interesting time. There's a lot of transitions going on. So thankfully I still have my job at this current point in time as we speak. Uh, but that could all change because I don't think anyone's got a fucking clue what's going on. Um, so that's going on at the moment, which is great. Uh, but I smashed six deals in this week. So I'm pretty fucking happy with that. Um, and I've already got two confirmed ready for next week. Um, there were some backhanded comments made uh, at work. So I'm now ready to shove that all up their asses. It's going to be great. Anyway, uh, moving on swiftly. Uh, I just wanted to get that out of my system and off my chest and everything else because, do you know what? It's 2023 and we can probably say where the fuck we like and we will not be kept down or trodden on or anything. Not by the government, not by anybody. Fuck them. Anyway, um, so I watched Ant-Man Quantumania for the first time ever uh, on Friday evening. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was really worried because I was like, fuck, the Marvel Universe is getting very... um, there's a lot of it, yes. put it that way. And I'm getting a bit like really more superior shit. Like I'm I, even I'm starting to get quite bored of it. Uh, but I really enjoyed that man. Really enjoyed it. I thought it was really funny, cleverly done, just really liked it a lot. I'm not I am not one of them them fucking idiots that's like, oh well, you know, when he said this thing and then he did this jump and then his foot was actually out of shot a little bit. I'm not one of them people. I'm not gonna analyze it. I don't care. Um it was just a really good, enjoyable film, especially Carrie made an audible gasp at one point. So I was like, oh, she's enjoying it. So there we are. Um, so we watched that. Uh, obviously, Secret Invasion has been released. And I'm like, do I need to have watched Guardians before I start this? Um, so uh, I, I'm i just yeah. going to wait for Guardians to come out. And then I've got those. I'm, I, I think I might be autistic or somewhat on some very, very small level or I'm on the spectrum somewhere because I just have to watch shit in order. I can't deviate. <laughs> I guess no, I mean, it must be an OCD thing, even is what I meant to say. Sorry, autistic people. I'll tell that back. I'm, you know, I'm not going to start pretending to be one of you, um, like some people I know. Um, yeah, so it's just, <laughs> uh, I think it's an OCD. I'm like, I, I get really, like, I, I think I've mentioned this on the show a while back. Mm. I have to check the episode number about five times before I click anything. Yep. It's yeah, like, yeah. it is that one, right? It is that one. It's death because Kerry's got me watching you. Right, mm. so I've start, I started that a while ago. I've had to stop; it makes me feel a bit sick. Um, and I thought I was on episode seven. I wasn't on episode seven, Jamie, because when I started watching the catch up, I was like, 
I don't remember this happening. I was on the episode before, and I was like, ah, there we are. Don't watch that anymore. <laughs> Not interested. So from from a catch up, you now don't want to watch it. I watched it in the end, but I'm finding it too. I'm finding it too creepy. It's making me feel a bit sick. Yeah, like, I, I can't. I don't, I don't I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling to watch it, so I'm a bit like. Mm. I know people love it, but I'm a bit like mm, I can't stomach it. It just makes me feel really odd and weird, and I, I just, it just no. Um, which obviously means it's a good show, surely, because well, it's making me feel. Um, so than that, I've been trying to absolutely catch up with AW because it's forbidden, forbidden door tonight, uh, yeah. and I'm nowhere near. I am nowhere near. So um, I've got th- I'm three shows behind. I'm on the de- collision debut. Um, so yeah, so watching that. Uh, uh, well, also I've watching a lot of Frasier, season six, episode seventeen or eighteen. Now, I love that show so much. It makes I just there was an episode recently. I think it was a couple of days ago. I was watching it at night, and then Karis has fallen asleep. But it was so funny that I was I couldn't not laugh out loud, and I kept waking her up. <laughs> it was you know like episodes that are like a series of events that keep happening and following on. And you just like and you just can't help but like die every time. It was one of those. So we love shit. We love shit like that. Um, I know, like, sorry, I know you've watched Frasier before. Is this first time you've watched it all the way through, and or have you watched it all before? I haven't watched it before. I've seen a lot of episodes, a lot, a lot of yeah. episodes before, but not in order, not properly. Hmm. So it'd be like, he'd be dating someone, then the next one I'd watch, he'd be like, who the fuck's that? What's that? What's happened there? Why are they living there now? So I was, yeah, I've not actually watched it properly. Um, so this is the first time ever I'm watching it properly in order, but there's been quite a lot of episodes that I've already seen that have come on. I'm like, oh, I love this episode. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I watched that properly. Um, like you say, we did two absolutely fantastic interviews this week. Uh, very excited to release those. Um, we are building our 2000 Trees interviews, uh, ready for Trees, um, in a week and a half's time, which we're very, very excited for. So, if you are at Trees, we're looking forward to seeing you. Make sure you come and say hello to us. Uh, it'd be grand to see you all there. Other than that, Jame, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Oh, yeah, last night. So, last night, um, Karis went away. So, I decided to work on some emails, send some emails, do some stuff for here at the podcast. And my brother texted me and was like, oh, that new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game is released, uh, Shredder's Revenge on PS5. And they've gone back to old roots. It's like a Sega game, like an arcade thing. Okay. Graphic Graphics are a little, obviously, are better, but it's that very, it's very similar of the Turtles games from the Sega Mega Drive. We played it for six hours. Jesus Christ. We were having the time of our lives. So <laughs> Six hours. Six hours. We started at eight o'clock. Fucking hell. Fair yeah, I, it was great. It was so much fun. Uh, and I had Domino's pizza and we just chilled and just chatted and it was really nice. It, the game's amazing. We finished it twice. It's so good. <laughs> so, yeah. Highly recommend for anybody that, you know, fancies a bit of a beat em up, not really have to pay attention to sort of game. Seems to be Ninja Turtles Throws Revenge is out now on PS5. That's one hell of an endorsement for a game. You finish it twice in one night. Fuck it out. <laughs> it was awesome. So much fun. Um, but yeah, uh, and on that on that note, James, we're all caught up. We're all caught up. So shall we go check in with our friend over there, Mister Braden Barry? At Stay Cozy Clothing, absolutely. 
All right. Is this thing on? Well, howdy doody, everybody. This is Braden Barry from Say We Can Fly, founder of Stay Cozy Clothing. Your one-stop shop for the coziest, most fashionable hoodies, t-shirts, and more. Gorsh, Mickey. That's right, folks. And we're proud to say that we are now sponsoring... The Chronicles of Podcast. Ouch. Hosted by Tom and Jamie. <laughs> like, you can get 10% off, man. That's right, Shaggy. Just use the special code, The Chronicles, at checkout. Oh, boy. I'll say it once. I've said it before. I say it every week. Greatest advert of all time. Oh, yes, Hands down. Is. Hands fucking down. And now, Jamie, it's time for your favorite segment of the week. Yeah, it is. It's time for Callum Streetchins. Do you want to know something? Callum will be able to tell you. And Callum's treachings. It's cereal soup. Ooh. Callum is back to treat the nation once again with his infinite wisdom. So let us begin. Jamie, what is Callum treaching us this week? We get dressed up for people that we want to get undressed with. He's not wrong. <laughs> Do you know what I find with people that dress up and stuff like obviously back in back in the clubbing days when we used to actually go out and shit, like people would dress up, but they they you know, and they clearly dress up some people dress up for attention, people dress up for whatever reason. The people that you then give attention to are like Carl, I don't want to what are you doing here? Yeah. Do you ever find that? It, it's it's weird because I know some people like to dress up not for attention, but just because they just want to feel good about themselves. Fair enough, but it, it's the people that are like dress up, clearly like giving signals to people, clearly doing stuff to get attention in their behaviour, and then you give them attention like go away. Like, huh? That's exactly what I said. That's exactly yeah. what I'm on about. Yeah, and yeah. you're just like, hang on a second. You've, you've clearly this is like the. It's just that you just want people to see that people are ogling over you and want to talk to you, that sort of thing. And then you're like, uh, you can fuck off. Yeah. You don't want the attention. You want the effort of attention, if that makes sense. <laughs> but it happens everywhere. It happens both yeah. ways. It happens oh, both yeah. Ways oh, yeah. Well. That, that was Guys were exactly the same. Yeah. That was, that so, was a both-way thing. Yeah, absolutely. Always. I always just be like, really? <laughs> what? Talk to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But I just like meeting people. I like meeting, meeting people, making new friends, like just hanging out and chatting to people. Like I, just, I love that shit. Mm. So you know, I never had any ulterior motives. It was just like let's hang out, let's have a chat, join a drink, let's you know, let's let's chinwag, let's do this shit. Chin-wag. Obviously, in a, in a club, fucking horrific. So be like, right? Yeah, what? No, I don't <laughs> like doors. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dogs? Yeah, I love dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, nuts. Um, but yeah, Callum makes an absolutely avidly excellent point there. I like that. It's such a good idea. What always makes me laugh is um, it always makes me think of Bridget Jones. I don't know if you've seen the Bridget Jones movies. No. Where she get she gets like the biggest granny pants known to man on, and then dresses up really nice on top of it. So when she pulls and comes back. She's taking off a clothes like shit. Who's <laughs> all she's got under there is big old granny pants. <laughs> but why should that matter? It shouldn't matter. It just makes me laugh. Like you see the amount of effort people come up, put into to like, as you say, go home and then get undressed again. It's fucking great. <laughs> That's all about comfort. I've never understood it. You know where where girls want to wear heels that like break their feet within the space of an hour. You're like, why? Like, 
So here's your fuck your feet up range. Just yeah. here. So if you, you got to go from heel tip here, a bit, a bit smaller down here, a bit more stiletto at the top. You know what I'm saying? So if you want to break your feet within 30 minutes, they're up here. If you want to break your feet in two hours, they're down here. Okay. <laughs> the one thing that's never got me in the whole making an effort sort of thing, and I don't understand, like you say with shoes there, the one for me is it's the middle of winter and you see girls out there with like a boob tube and a dress that might as well be a belt. I'm like, you must be fucking freezing, love. That's Put some bloody out. claws on. <laughs> the dad knew he was coming out there, Jay. The dad knew he was coming out. Even when, when I was younger. Even when I was younger, they'll be like, fair play. I'm like, but she's fucking cold now. <laughs> People do what they want, don't they, at the end of the day? If, oh, if that's what they wanted to impress, then by all means. This is a very... This is a very like subject where you're like, am I saying the right things here? Like I'm, I not, I'm not trying to sound misogynistic. I don't want to be, you know, like bloody hell. What the fuck are you that for? Fuck it's dear to you. No, absolutely not. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that at all. If you want to wear, if you want to wear thread, you wear thread. Um, anyway, Jamie, everyone has an opinion, but exactly. everyone Let, can do what the fuck they right like behind it. Let's get off the fuck off this subject. Yes. And secondly, Jamie, what else is Callum treating us this week? Bold eagles aren't, in fact, bold. <laughs> the man can do no wrong. Well, I feel like he—I feel like he saw a picture of a bald eagle. And went, motherfucker! They've been lying to us. There's <laughs> them filled with feathers. I bet eagles like. <laughs> <laughs> you all think I'm bold and feel sorry for me when actually maybe they maybe the national bird now. Fuck them. Now let's destroy it. We'll take them from within. That's what we'll do. <laughs> you think you want to call me fucking bold, you prick? Why That's not a noise, obviously. An, an eagle diving. They don't sound like a plane <laughs> going down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at 246 kilometers west. Two thousand. <laughs> It's so beautiful, Karen. <laughs> the Mayday call. <laughs> what, why are they called bald eagles then if they're not bald? I suppose it's because they give the impression they look bald, don't they? It's got because the, they've got the white head and they're brown. Mm. So I'm assuming it gives off. But uh, Americans obviously like to phrase things of what they're actually, what they do on them. So like sidewalk, because it's on the side and they walk on it. <laughs> trash can. It's a can and we put trash in it. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That probably is what it exactly. is. Oh, it's an eagle and it looks like it's bald. Bald eagle. There you go. Hey. <laughs> that is such a good point. I'm trying, I'm, I was really quickly, while you were talking, trying to think of other things that like sound stupid but actually aren't the case. Of whether, you know, don't know what their name actually is, but I can't think of anything fast enough. So um, what we'll do is we'll leave that little beauty there and from go on to finally, Jamie, what else? It's Callum treating us week this. It's probably a good thing that we can't hear our eyeballs move inside their sockets. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, Callum. Wow. <laughs> Oh, oh. Uh, Wilson said it. Wow. wow. <laughs> um, interesting. I wonder what it would sound like. Do you reckon it'd be gloopy or do you reckon it'd be swishy? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, I'm thinking it's probably going to be gloopy. It's swishy, there's a lot of room to move there. I feel like more. But there's no... I'm trying to think, because I've studied the eye, very, very small. 
And I think it would be, you said gloopy, didn't you? But I don't yeah, think there's any gloopy. actual, apart from tears, there's no real actual moisture going on in there, I don't think, off the top of my head. I think it'd be, yeah, so you might be right. <laughs> Especially when you're rolling your eyes because you're like just sick of someone. <laughs> it'd be so it'd be so funny if it'd be like um shutters. Yeah, let go like blank. So like um like in cartoons and they do that, you know, and they yeah. like Ooga! that sort of thing. And <laughs> be like that's you could hear like the irises and the people's moving and stuff like that, like <laughs> <laughs> Even worse if other people could hear them. Are you asleep, Dave? No, mate. I just heard your eyes close. <laughs> you're, not, you're not a fucking sleep, Steve. I can hear it. See exactly you're fucking looking around at the moment. Even though it's dark, you can't see a fucking thing. You silly sausage. You roll your eyes at me? No. I fucking heard them, mate. <laughs> get in so much trouble. Yeah, you couldn't get away with it, could you? You couldn't get away with anything. If, you're, if, if Becky was having a go at you, you're like, fucking hell. <laughs> what are you wearing your you fucking dickhead? <laughs> it's like, is it? Is it Lee Evans talks about how they can hear when you murmur to yourself? You know, you had a massive fight and they walk off and you go, you're a fucking dickhead. Anyway. Like, what, are you just- <laughs> what did you just fucking say? <laughs> and what we're just say, he's like, he's like, I didn't fucking do anything anyway. <laughs> what did you fucking say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Oh. It's one of those things, though, isn't it? When you, when you know, if you, if someone pisses you off and they turn around, you go, you, <laughs> but then they always, they always like it's almost like they can just sense it, like it's some sort of superhero, like power that they have. They just go. You, and you go, yeah, really? What do you want to do tomorrow then? Like, oh, uh, no, I said, did you want ice cream later? I meant to stick it on the cones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These are lollies to stick on the cones. Like, no, I haven't got away with that one, have I? No. <laughs> you die now. <laughs> oh, yeah, stick it on the cones. I like that. <laughs> I don't know how we got from what sound eyeballs make to pissing off your messes, but you know. Um, I don't know how we get from A to B most of the time on this show, to be fair. So it's, it's fine. Ah, oh, it'd be great as if you got older, your eyes got creakier. Oh, <laughs> 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 oh and, and then when you shut your eyelids, it made the sound of a door closing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> So fucking good. <laughs> Callum, once again, you have absolutely blessed us as wonderful treatures, sir. Wonderful treatures that we enjoy thoroughly on a weekly basis. We don't know what we would do without you, sir. Oh. But now, <laughs> I now have to follow. You do. It's time for Tom's journal. And welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. Welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. I get excited every week for this, especially when I find gold. (laughs) So, Jamie, why are plane tickets so expensive? You're going that way anyway. Just give me a ride. (laughs) (laughs) 
I really mean it's going to cost you nothing extra. You might as well just let me come on board with you. Yeah. Why are they charging us £15,000 to fucking fight to Malta when you're flying that way anyway? Just let us go. You can check the passport, make sure I'm not a criminal or a, you know, cannibal or anything. <laughs> just just let me fuck it. You're going there. Might as well, might as well go with you. Well, but I suppose if they did that, obviously, you know, the, the cubes would be insane, wouldn't they? Can oh, you imagine trying to back it home? Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> The worst. It'd be like um Asian people trying to go on trains. Fucking get to elbow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking fight them to get there. There'd be no queue and queue and be dead. Carnage in every airport. But then as a Brit, you'd be like, huh? 91 planes later. <laughs> so this is my place everything. in the queue, and it's only fair to stay here, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they've been waiting longer than us, so I went behind them. They've only got a small bag. We've got a big suitcase. Let them go in front of. Let them go in front. <laughs> um, somebody purchased a chopping board, right? Mm-hmm. And looked at the sticker on the bottom of the chopping board. This is what the chopping board sticker said: "Wood chopping board with the barcode. Wipe clean only. Wipe up spills immediately to avoid staining. Do not soak. Do not use as a chopping board." Wait, what? <laughs> it genuinely says that on the sticker. I was with you then. I was like, I get it. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Like, do not use the chopping board. What are what else are you supposed to do with it? <laughs> that is clearly someone's last day in the office. It's one of them situations. Let's be a dick before I get out of it. Let's add that it's like, label. It's like bags of peanuts to say may contain nuts in the back. Yeah. I get that one though because it's legal, but it's stupid. But I get it. But... Do you reckon that they have to write shit like that for some reason? Do. I don't. Like no, I mean the chopping boards as well. Do they oh, have yeah, to write that for a particular? Is there a particular law? British law is so fucked up these days. We have yeah. to like declare everything is everything and then not everything at the same time. Like we're very to the letter about it. But why would you do not eyes. use as a chopping board on anything? It's kind of a given. Not going to buy a new bloody, I don't know, soft toy and do not use as a chopping board. Obviously, have you have you met people? Fair point. Yeah, can't argue that one. Yeah, if you've got me there, that was a very good argument, sir. <laughs> I feel this is something that you and Becky talk about. Jamie, what is the difference between Iron Man and Iron Woman? Go on. One is a superhero. The other is a simple command. <laughs> 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 I thought you might enjoy that. Uh, I'm not that brave. I'm hated enough. <laughs> Fair. Fair enough. Just thought it was funny. That was all. <laughs> Jamie, just because I loved you at one point doesn't mean I will always love you. I'm not fucking Whitney Houston. Fucking better do though. <laughs> oh, this just got a little bit awkward. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> I've got a question for you. Go on. Then. You wake up as Superman. What is the first thing you do? Oh, oh, that is a good question. Yeah, now, am I waking up after. with Superman's powers, or am I waking up as Clark Kent, Superman? You wake up 
As Superman, what is the first thing you do? Don't think about it so logically. You're Superman, for fuck's sake. Jump out of bed and wonder where the fuck I am, probably. Okay. This person said, go back to sleep and hopefully wake up to be Batman. Yes. To which someone then replied, yes. Because if I woke up as an alien demigod who can fly at supersonic speeds and lift an aircraft carrier above his head, the first thing I think is, I wish I was an unstable orphan in a bat costume. Yeah, but he's fucking cool, though. <laughs> I mean, I'm on board with that guy. I don't care. Emos don't get an Uber. They get a death cab for cutie. <laughs> oh, fuck that. <laughs> that is... Oh... That's two for two with the Fallout Boy one last week as well. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely one of my favourites. That was absolutely amazing, that was. Oh. So, this was in an Agony Aunt section. And when I read it, it was like, this can't be fucking real. And apparently it is. Dear Miriam, my husband is a druid. And I'm worried that he wants to sacrifice me at Stonehenge. I am 41 and my husband is 43. We've been married for 23 years and every solstice and equinox, he gets out a big bronze knife and tries to persuade me to come to Stonehenge with him so he can sacrifice me to ensure a good harvest next year. I always make an excuse as to why I can't go with him. Like, I've got a headache or my mum's got a bad leg, but my excuses are wearing thin. He says that lots of his druid friends have sacrificed their wives, and I am just being and I am just being stubborn. I don't want to get sacrificed, but I'm afraid I'll lose him if I don't give him what he wants. Please help me, Miriam. I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what to do for the best. Oh my god, there's so much here. Right? Yeah? <laughs> Wait. Do you want to hear Miriam's reply? I was about to say, please tell me how Miriam's reply. <laughs> Miriam says. It sounds to me that you have been leading your druid husband up the garden path a bit by making excuses every solstice and equinox. Why can't you come to Stonehenge to have your throat slit or to be eviscerated? You may have, <laughs> you may have given him the impression that you would be happy for him to sacrifice you to appease the gods when it is convenient. You need to have a heart-to-heart -heart with your man and tell him that you love him, but that you do not want to be sacrificed in any circumstance. It may be that he finds himself another woman to sacrifice on his pagan altar, but I'm afraid that's just a chance you will have to take. I hope your marriage proves strong enough to survive this test, but remember, it is your feelings that should be paramount. What, what's really bizarre and upsetting and concerning is, I can kind of see what Miriam's getting at, really. You know, she was making excuses. She never once said she didn't want this to happen. She was just honest in the first place. Maybe we wouldn't be here today. I mean, do you remember when I said, have you met people? Like, <laughs> does she genuinely think that her husband's going to fucking kill her in front of loads of people? Well, all of his friends have, so, you know, you never know. <laughs> Just nuts. Do you remember it's like, but has she then seen them wives afterwards? Surely she must have done. That's a good point, actually. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, common sense should prevail here, surely. <laughs> I I, I just found that mental more than anything else. <laughs> Is this genuine or satire? It's it's on a newspaper article. It's fucked It's, it's up. newspaper written, so it, it's not. It's got to be real. Surely, Miriam's response should be, "I'll call the police for you. <laughs> Get a life." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> Instead of going, have a heart to heart with your potential murderer boyfriend and tell him that he don't want to be killed. Nuts. Absolutely. Do you reckon she got that went? Oh, bloody hell. Karen, I got another one. <laughs> How do I respond to this? Let's use chat GPT. It'll be fine. <laughs> so, James, a blue whale is larger than a basketball court. Americans will fucking use anything but the metric system. Eh? <laughs> From within three whales of America and say that. <laughs> God, it's so funny because it's so true. <laughs> I mean, you laughed at the, I, I didn't think you'd laugh. I thought you'd laugh at the actual last part rather than the bit oh, that was just not. It's just funny because it's true. I've heard other Americans like say things are the size of this. Like, you, we all know how much I love Kevin Smith. He measures things in jaws. People are like, oh, that's oh, so it's free, free jaws as in the shark. Oh, okay. oh it's free lots say. of jaws, the shark. Okay, now I know how big it is. <laughs> I just love come within three whales of America and say that. <laughs> I was too busy choking to react to that bit of the time. Sorry, but that is fucking brilliant. <laughs> oh, I enjoyed that one. I think I'm I enjoyed sure. that more than you expected me to. I think, I, yeah, I was a bit like Jesus Christ, he's already, he's already gone. I haven't got to the punchline yet. <laughs> I feel that this is your daughter. Okay, parents need to get better at teaching their kids that swear words aren't actually bad. They're only appropriate in certain contexts. This nine-year-old girl at the grocery store just held up a bag of cauliflower rice and said, what the fuck is this? And she deserves a fucking Oscar. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if there's ever a thing to feel appropriate to shout, what the fuck is this? That's it, exactly. I I love that. Fucking hate cauliflower rice. I knew you would love that. <laughs> but no, the kid's weird around swearing, especially lately. She keeps thinking swear words are words that aren't even swear words. She's convinced herself that stupid is a swear word. That's that can't be a good thing if she's yeah. going to school being like fucking dickhead. What the fuck <laughs> you want about? As long as it's not the other way around. Yeah, she's like swear words are normal, <laughs> but normal words are swear words. It's price. You wouldn't fucking believe what happened. Oh, that was stupid. Don't swear. Let's move on, shall we? <laughs> Whilst helping my daughter with her World War II homework, she asked when they'd learned about Captain America and Hydra. Or the box Indiana Jones found that melts people because that's when things will get cool. I can't decide. I mean, I'm feeling as a father or absolutely crushing it. <laughs> crushing it, sir. Crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> me not today satan satan look you've been cancelling our plans for weeks now if it's something i said can you please just tell me <laughs> poor satan no one ever thinks of his feelings in his plans do they no exactly exactly and finally jamie i'll end on this my 11 year old son just discovered tetris came home to both of us scoring fifteen thousand points so I cracked my knuckles, played for the first time in 25 years, and dropped 73,000 points on his head. Now he's angrily muttering to himself, and I'm doing karate kicks on the front porch. <laughs> <laughs> and that 
Was another edition <laughs> of Tom's Journal. Do you remember those things in the 90s you used to get like a handheld device about 250 versions of Tetris on it? Really? Yeah, it was like a Game Boy sort of thing. And it just had like tons of different versions of Tetris. How can you have different versions of that game? It's just blocks falling. I can't remember now. It was a long time ago, but I I remember they existed. That's nuts. I'd love to see Tetris with wavy shapes. They'd be absolutely (laughs) fucked. Uh, No way. Two blocks down now. I say, I'm bollocks, mate. I'm bollocks. I fucked it already. I suppose we should uh, we should bring in that piece, James, to get save your voice a little bit. Oh yeah, we definitely should. Welcome to the Chronicles of Joe Matera. Joe Matera is an Australian singer, songwriter and author writing for magazines like guitar player record collector metal hammer he's interviewed artists like kiss and queen and as i said he's an author he's got his own book backstage pass the grit and the glamour this is absolutely amazing but that's just his writing credits he's also a kick-ass musician with five studio albums of some incredible rock and roll and the lone runner his most recent album is a complete departure where it's more like ambient, ambient ephoral music. It's This is a very, very talented man and a fantastic guest, a wonderful conversation. This is a very good interview. I've been very excited to release this one, actually. So ever since we spoke to Joe about a month ago, I think it was now, so yeah. we apologise for, for the delay. In getting this one out, Joe, but what a guest, what an interview. I'm really excited for you guys to hear this one because it's just, it was conducted at midnight our time yeah like it was a very very late one and a very very early one for him but you know those time zones motherfuckers it's unbelievable uh but joe's an absolutely wonderful human really nice guy and we can't wait for the world to hear his story jamie yes sir any final words at all just a massive thank you to our wonderful guest joe thank you for reaching out to us and asking to come on it means the absolute world it was amazing to sit and talk to you and hear your story and yeah everyone you're going to enjoy this one and please go check out joe's music go buy a copy of his book give this man all the love and support absolutely please do joe thank you so much for taking the time out to sit and chat to us um and we really appreciate it we loved it and like we said we're very excited for people to hear this one so ladies and gentlemen here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, interviewing this week, it's Joe Matera. Okay, guys, how are you? Tom and Jamie. Hey, there he is. Hey, how are you? Very good. Yourself? I'm very good. Midnight over there in England. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, yeah, it is. Uh, please bear with us. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, don't worry. I used, to, I used to do all those sort of uh, um, times um, when I used to be me in rock bands and sort of stuff. Late mornings at four a.m. You come home at five a.m. So uh, yeah, I know what it's like. Oh, that is your accent's amazing. I love the Australian accent. So <laughs> if you? I if I if I mimic in any way, I don't. It's not a fair. I don't mean to. It's because I pick it up off you. So I do apologise <laughs> now if I start being like fucking hell, Joe. What's going on here, mate? Fucking hell. <laughs> just like. <laughs> to so, be fair, yeah, that's it, fine. I was going to say, as soon as I heard you talk, I could just see the glint in Tom's eyes. Just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> well, I, I like your accent. So, you know, what, what, so you're obviously slightly different parts of England. Is that right? Yeah. 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 I, live in, right. I live in the Midlands. 
in Birmingham. Right. And he's an he's an he's an anomaly. He's he's Scottish who grew up in England and now lives in Wales. <laughs> Are you in Wales? Okay, we're better in, in Cardiff. I well, I I was in Cardiff, but I'm now in Newport, which is just outside of Cardiff. It's the city next over, so okay. um, it's all right. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what's Birmingham like? The, the uh, Birmingham, the city that invented heavy metal. Yes, it is. Yeah, it yeah. is just it's a city, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think the prestige and the heritage is kind of there anymore this this day and age. Kids are too obsessed with their phones and, and TikTok and whatnot now to actually appreciate, um, you know, the, the metal genre, the music, etc., and where it all came from. So, um, but they just made a, bri- a, a bench to Black Sabbath, didn't they, James? Say we got Black Sabbath Bridge. So Bridge. It's got, oh, like a, it's got like a little. It's like a bench with uh, the four heads on there and stuff like that. Okay. Oh, excellent. I've been um I've uh, done quite a few shows in England over the, the years and um but I've never been in that sort of part of uh, England. I've been up north. I've been uh, I've done gigs in uh, what is it? Bolton. Um oh. in uh, yes, Bolton. Yes, I should mention that. <laughs> uh, uh Lancaster and, and London itself and um yeah, so I've, but but I've traveled quite a few uh places around England. So yes. Ah. Lovely. Joe, I'll just well, we'll get into it in so shortly, but thank you so much for reaching out, my friend. Like, we really appreciate you hitting us up. Um, obviously, it's come on the show and whatnot, so it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, oh, thank you for uh, for having me on your show. No, not at all, not at all. Um, so basically, just a quick rundown. Um, I, I, I know you've seen bits of it on, online and whatnot, but uh, Jamie's going to do a nice little introduction, uh, basically, to make you feel nice at ease, and you feel like, lure you into that false sense of security where you feel safe and secure. It's going to be in a really nice place to be. And then we're going to absolutely bombard the living hell out of your questions. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds good. No worries. Okay. Amazing. Um, also, we're, we're more than happy if you want, if you swear everything. It doesn't matter. You're more than happy to say whatever you like here. <laughs> Providing, obviously, we don't salute, salute any Nazis. Um, say we're a fan of Lost Profits or, you know, in, <laughs> or anything like that. We'll leave all of that, you know, over there. So. Excellent. Okay. The banner cannot be mentioned. Yes. That's them. Yes, them. That's them. I couldn't think of a third. I was, I was trying to think of a third really quick, and I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> no, not boy bands, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, right, to do my little introduction, and we can get this underway. Ladies and gentlemen, today we bring you another wonderful guest. Today's guest is not only an incredible guitarist and musician who has just released his amazing fifth studio album, The Lone Runner, he's also a journalist writing for publications like Metal Hammer and Classic Rock, talking to artists like Queen, Foo Fighters and a band you know I'm excited to hear about, Kiss. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you from nine hours in the future, from the world down under, this week we bring you the Chronicles of Joe Matera. Thank you so much, guys. Yes, it's a pleasure to be there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm coming all the way from the future. All the way from the future. You need to send us yes. the lottery numbers, Joe. That's right. Yes, I'll tell you what, I'll take that. They're just coming up now. <laughs> <laughs> just, did I pronounce your surname correctly? I forgot to double check before we started going. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Mm. Yes. Absolutely wonderful. Um, Joe, I suppose we should start off with the hard-hitting shit straight away, which was the how, how was it, how was your pandemic season? I know it's kind of flat, it's going, it's disappearing a bit now, but like, how have the last few years been for you? Um, look, the the pandemic pretty much uh, screwed my touring schedule and my shows because, like everybody else, you know, all the touring had stopped, 
Um, up to that point, um, before the pandemic, I was coming to Europe once a year, doing uh, tours all around Europe and um, Scandinavia. And uh, I was planning to come back in 2020, but that put a stop to it. So basically, uh, with no gigs and and no sort of uh, playing uh, opportunities, I just uh, fell back into uh, my music journalism and just uh, went back to uh, writing for magazines full time, which I used to do um, for you know back back in the uh, 2000s. And um, so now I've sort of incorporated both my music journalism and my playing and recording career together. So now I've got sort of two outlets again. Yeah, because Australia kind of went, nobody's allowed in and nobody's allowed out. Nothing is happening. This is it now. This, this is Australia. Whoever's here, you live here forever. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. You know, and look, the 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 my, my the beauty uh, of what I did was basically because I already had been overseas and you know connected with uh, other musicians, already worked with them. It allowed me to collaborate more with with those musicians just by via the internet. Which you know, there's I did quite a few projects. I mean, over the pandemic pandemic period, I um ended up writing my book, my first book, which. Uh, you know, gave me time to finally do that. Um, you know, I put together uh, another album. Uh, you know, the Lone Run actually came together during that period, which was a bit of an experiment for me. Um, yeah, so I had so many projects, you know, and and now I'm even busier than ever before. So hopefully um, as we move forward, I will be coming back to Europe. But at the moment, sort of, uh, it's like everything else around the world. It's pretty expensive to tour and um, it's pretty chaotic, in the, you know, in, in, in the sense you could be on tour next minute, you could be, uh, you know, stuck somewhere. So uh, until things sort of settle down a bit, it's just going to be uh, just plate by, by year. But, you know, I'm, I'm keeping busy. I've still got heaps of projects that I'm working on and more things coming out soon. Beautiful. I absolutely love it. Joe, before we get into the nitty gritty of it all, though, take us back to the days of young Master Matera. What did you want to be when you were a young man? Was it always music for you or was it like train driver? I don't know. Oh, no, no, definitely not. No, no. My parents wish I was a train driver, but no, I always wanted to be a musician, first and foremost. You know, um, I was always very good at writing. I mean, that's one of the subjects I did. Uh, uh, do really well in at, at school. Everything else I sort of uh, didn't do too well, but I didn't care because music was the only thing that was uh, I wanted to do. But having said that, it's not something that I sort of um, went out and say, look, I'm going to just focus on this. I mean, like everything else, I went out, just got a normal day job, you know, and, you know, got married, uh, that sort of stuff for the first time. And, um, you know, it just eventually uh, I just sort of, uh, you know, just kept doing what I do and I just fell into sort of opportunities that arose, you know, and then the internet happened and, uh once the internet happened back in the early nineties, I was on it pretty pretty quickly, and I uh, I just started sort of connecting and um, with some artists, and um, yeah, just took it from there. So it sort of fell into place, but it's always been there. I mean, it's not something I had a plan like, okay, at the age of this, say twenty one, I'm going to do this, because I don't think anybody can do that. I mean, you know, I, I I've read bios where they said, oh, I I know what I want to do, and I, I was going to do it. Well, life throws you all sorts of things. You just go with it. It just you know, when you're on the right path, eventually it will open up for you. So, and you got a hard, I mean, there's been a lot, of, it's a hard slog. It's not something that um uh, just sort of came pretty easy. I've worked my butt off in order to get where I am. So, um, and, you know, many people say, oh, you know, is it a pretty lucrative, lucrative business? And I say, no, because I do it because it's a lifestyle. It's, you know, I do it for the music. It's not for the money. Um, I say to people, if you want, if you want to go into music, to make money, I suggest you don't. Just become a lawyer because you can make much more money from becoming a lawyer. <laughs> that, I, mean, a, I think. It, sorry, Jamie. I was going to say it's a thing you find with a lot of musicians. They say there ain't a lot of money in doing this. We do it because we love it. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, even the big touring bands. I mean, you know, look, it's 
the percentage of those sort of bands, like, you know, I uh, say Def Leppard, you know, those written Kiss, I mean, uh, that's very small percentage you can make money out of that. But that's because they've been around for a long time, you know, and, and the money that goes into production, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not cheap to put on a, a tour. It costs a lot of money. So, and I think the big thing is, um, you know, uh, songwriting is the, is, the, is the core to earning on because basically if you write a song, each time it gets played, each time it gets, you know, aired, you're making money from it. And that's one thing that's guaranteed. But you've got to really be a big artist. I mean, Ed Sheeran's probably one of the rare artists who can really sort of say he's got a hell of a lot of money. But, again, he's got an entourage of a lot of people, which means there's a lot of um, wages being paid out. So it's it's you know, it's, it's a business. It's, it's, a, it's um, you know, the musician's sort of just – one person then there's all these other people around it you know that you need for that machine to keep going that i think kiss basically just went can we put our faces on absolutely everything so we can make as much money as possible because guys there's no money let's just make lighters and skateboards and and lighting and and god knows what else is it on on my face on it put it on there (laughs) yeah look you know look kiss has always been a commercial venture i I don't i mean even gene simmons said to me uh many years ago when i spoke to him it was all about the business for them i mean then I mean, he even admitted they're not the greatest musicians on the planet. And he even admitted that a lot of those classic Kiss albums don't even have the members playing on it, you know. So um, it's it's basically a purely business. But, you know, good luck to him. I mean, he always said, I think there was an interview he did once where he said he, he hoped to start a religion called Kissanity, you know, rather than Christianity. So, I mean, he's doing a great job with it. <laughs> it's the most Gene Simmons quote I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really old interview he did, and um, I thought that was uh pretty ironic because um, you know the way they like they went about with their merchandise, it is. I mean, it's a pretty much uh, they're everywhere. I mean, who doesn't know Kiss and that famous logo? As soon as you see that logo, you know it's Kiss. Absolutely, and then there's idiots like me that buy it, so it clearly works. <laughs> <laughs> and myself too. <laughs> so um, it was uh, just going back to your school days very quickly. I always find it weird that teachers are literally like, what do you want to do yourself? You're 16 now, or, you, or whatever. I don't know how it works in Australia, but it's like, you're 16 now, you should know what you want to do. What do you mean you don't know? You, you know, go and do your A-levels, go to university, go study this, go study that. It's like, well, hang on a second, because I'm 35, and I still haven't got a fucking clue what I want to do in my life. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's you true, know. you know, and look, you, you don't. I mean, anyone who says at the age of 15, they know what they're going to do is, is, is bullshit, because basically yeah. you don't know. You're still trying to find who you are. I mean, it takes a long time. I mean, uh I'm, you know, at my age now, I'm finally comfortable in my own skin and know who I am and what I want to do. But, you know, if I go back even, you know, half my age, I, I still didn't know what I want to do. I just sort of just went along and just, you know, hopefully things worked out. And um, so that that is correct. Look, at school, look, I think school is, um, yeah, I mean, back in my day, it was, you know, you, I remember telling my careers teacher saying I want to become a musician. And he said to me, oh, nah, you know, it doesn't find yourself a better job, you know. I mean, one of the teachers I was in, one of the classrooms said to me, um, I've never achieved anything in my life because all I cared about was music. And, and I and I love to go back now because uh, I, I love to say, well, you know, I have achieved all these things with believing in what I wanted to do. So I think teachers um, don't give, you know, enough sort of encouragement just for them, for your students to just be who they are, not try and push their, their own uh agenda or values because everybody's different you know like you know who would have thought heavy metal become this respected genre that um everybody loves i mean and when it started it's like oh heavy metal what what is this you know so um everything has got a benefit to it you know you just gotta allow people to be who they are absolutely absolutely you can guarantee these people who are like ah oh, musician that's not a real job and then they'll go get in their car put the radio on and really enjoy a song they're like who do you think made that <laughs> yeah yeah 
That's right. You know, isn't it? I find it ironic that you know you have sports stars who just want to be rock stars. Everybody wants to be a rock star. I mean, you, even the way they talk of the news, they're saying, "Oh, you know, rock star, welcome." You know, like to a politician. I mean, it shows you that, that you know here they are. I used to say years ago, "Oh, music's not a real job." It is a real job. It, I mean, it, my my music job is uh, basically twenty four seven for me. It's like that's what I do. It's a live. It's a it's a lifestyle. It's a job. Um, it's not something that's a hobby for me. It's it's actually a real serious thing. But I enjoy what I do, and and the joy that it gives to people um, is what is the most satisfaction of me whole work. You know, like just reading an article. If people get something from my article, and it brings a smile to their face, they've learned something. I'm happy with it. If my music gives them a bit of you know something to forget about their worries for you know a time, fantastic. I mean, that's 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 the greatest satisfaction more than say monetary reward. So I know you started playing guitar from a very young age, but where did that yep. love of music come from to make you even want to pick up that guitar in the first place? Um, I always love listening to music. I mean, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the Beach Boys. Uh, my first album was when I uh, age four. I uh, got my parents to buy me the Beach Boys Pet Sounds album, which is um, <laughs> a classic uh, album, and I just loved the sounds on it, and that just got me in love with the. Um, with with music you know and then as for guitar i um i there was a show in australia called countdown which was very much like top of the pops in the uk and i used to sit that religiously and just watch it and you know see all these rock stars on there coming out with their guitars you know and all the girls screaming i go wow you know i want to play guitar and um <laughs> i actually and, and the funny thing is i actually started on bass guitar so i learned to play bass for about six months and i realized it's pretty boring that you know um you're just playing these notes and you're a bit of a backup i wanted to be much more of the person up front playing all these wonderful leads so i changed to guitar and I, i'm self-taught totally self-taught guitar i listened to a lot of records growing up and uh by ear learned how to play things and yeah and um i uh yeah, learned how to play guitar that way. So my my music uh, tastes are very varied. I, I'll listen to anything from jazz to metal to classical to you name it because I think it's important to appreciate all styles of music and not not be a snob or purist and say, oh, you know, that style of music. Because really, I mean, you'll be surprised how many metal guys actually love the opposite styles of music. For example, I don't know if you know, but Brian Johnson uh, tried to write a musical, you know, like a, a stage musical as in, classical ballet so people will go what <laughs> Brian Johnson the lead singer of ACDC they go yeah I mean Angus Young is a painter he paints just quietly in his um they so said there's so many different sort of um sides to a, a an artist that people may not think they just think it's all about heavy metal all the time you know it's not you can't you can't listen to that style of music non-stop because it'll drive you mad you've got to have sort of a balance to it so um it's like it's like us growing up when we were growing up, obviously when like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC were a thing and people secretly you know we're like oh my god that that shit's on but deep down you're like oh my god I actually love it like <laughs> just really need a bit of NSYNC right now <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right yeah, yeah. look you know like, the, the, the boy band stuff you know really seriously I mean they have some great songs I mean uh, again it's it's the people who write those songs I mean they do catch it I mean you go you can't stop catching yourself tapping along to it so yeah. you know and and you know. That is a specific market, boy bands. I mean, it's aimed at sort of uh, teenage girls, or whatever. So, and it works. I mean, Kiss, you could say, was a, a boy band because basically they aimed at the teenage boys and, and girls, you know, and they did the job. So, Sex Pistols, I mean, now, I mean, when you listen to Sex Pistols, you can't tell me that that's an actual real punk band. I mean, they got the punk energy, but when you listen to the uh, album, that's, that's a purely polished album that was so catchy that, I mean, you can 
sing those riffs now, you know. So um, so there's a lot of influences and it's interesting because Johnny Rotten uh, recently uh, mentioned how much the Sex Pistols were listening to ABBA. Now, can you imagine if that came out back in the 70s and said they were listening to ABBA? Their, their street cred would have gone out the window. But now everyone claims ABBA's a, a great band and great influence. Now, go figure. <laughs> mental. Yeah. You find it though, like you listen to a lot of like the hardcore extreme metal stuff, you're hearing strings in the back of there, you're hearing organ sounds, you're hearing like these classical music sounds that you're like, see, you're not just listening to people scream all day, you're listening to some That's classical right. music, and there's the influence coming through right there. Absolutely. And you know, you, you put a metal band with say uh, uh, a classical band, a classical orchestra, it's heavy, man. It's a much more heavy than actual heavy metal band, you know, like it. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, Mozart was the rock star of his time. I mean, uh, he was a wild, you know, classical sort of a uh, musician who, uh, yeah, today you would say, bloody hell, he's he's a he's a cool rock star. Who uh, who influenced you, Joe? Oh, there's a lot of influence on me, but basically, look, you know, my my first band, I learned a lot of guitar stuff was the Shadows. You know, I mean, the Shadows influenced every nearly British guitar player on the planet. You know. From that generation so um but you know queen acdc kiss you know just you know even blondie i mean i i i just listen to everything so i can't really pinpoint one sort of a uh, band or artist that influenced me because i uh, get influences from everything but you know they're the sort of bands i grew up with the classic rock era of the 70s i mean that's that's my period of um reference frame for all my music really okay but what i love about your story is there's so many little side adventures that you go on. It's like a video game. It's like the journalism <laughs> that we'll talk about in a bit. You play guitar. You did musical theatre performing in Lame Miz. And you're even a guitar teacher at one point. So for someone That's who's right. self-taught, how did you learn like actually to read and write music as well in order yeah, to teach it? I, um, yeah, I did. Um, I, uh, I put myself through, uh, I did four years of um, music theory and um I uh, so I, I did that to understand music, but seriously, music theory, um, you know, it's good to know, but I never actually used it in my lessons because all my lessons, the students, all they wanted to learn was like Nirvana and Metallica. So, you know, <laughs> when I was um, doing guitar lessons, basically, you know, full time during the nineties, the the biggest request I ever had was um, Metallica, Nirvana, Guns N' Roses, and Green Day. That were the bands everybody wanted to learn guitar in. I basically uh, was kept in the job by just teaching those songs. I mean, and they're great. I mean, you know, got kids just want to say, hey, can you show me um, how to play Into Sandman? I mean, uh, yeah, sure, you know. So, um, but, yeah, I, I, I mean, um, like I said, I grew up in the era where we had vinyl records and you learn to play by ear, and that develops your true musicianship because basically you're learning to play by ear. I mean, nowadays, tablature, I mean, that's all good. I mean, that helps you to sort of um, learn to play quicker. But I, half, I mean, a lot of... A lot of students I find who go down that route only don't even know what when they're playing something wrong because it's basically visual. You know, you got to learn to play by ear. You got to be able. I say to them, if I throw you into a band with musicians you've never played before, can you just go off and play something? They most of them go, no, I can't do that. How do you do that? And I go, well, that's where knowing to play by ear is very, very important because I've you know years I've played um into in bands or musicians I've never met to that night I've been on stage and I just say to them, what key? And off we go and we play and we just jam. And I've had, you know, people come up to me and say, oh, you guys have been playing for years. And I go, no, I only met five minutes ago. 
you know. So that's you know that's 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 I mean that's a generation I grew up with. I mean, the, I mean most of those guitar players can do that. I mean, I'm not saying there's guitar players or musicians you can't do that now, but all I'm saying is there's a heavy emphasis on on internet sort of um learning. Mm. You know, I mean there is some great YouTube videos. Don't get me wrong, absolutely fantastic, and I think um uh, more power to them. I just think they students need to sort of um really be aware that how important the ear is and just to you know just to make mistakes because from your mistakes you learn from it you know i mean don't be so perfect just go for it i love that i, I love that so saying that you're saying how the internet's advanced as well have you found yourself learning new techniques yourself as tech as technologies like progressed um i oh, look uh I, I keep I'm abreast of all the things that are happening now in the guitar world, and um, I'm not really uh, I'm not really much about that sort of technical players in like you know like a Steve Vai play. I'm much more about the melody. I'm much more about I'll just pick up my guitar if I hear something um, in my head, I'll just play it. Or if I like a song, I'll work it out. It doesn't take me long to work out a song. I'm pretty uh, I, I you know I'm pretty good at sort of uh, saying if I hear a song once or twice I'll just basically work it out and I can play it, you know I mean obviously the lead's going to take a bit longer but I'm much more about my own stuff now I mean I've been for the whole for years I've learned you know all these sort of songs and um, you know played Metallica and you know all those sort of you know but it's just been stuff that I enjoy to play now it's like I want to concentrate on you know playing my own music. Mm. Have you have you ever had moments where you've been in a situation, say, like I don't know, going to sleep or in the shower, and you've had a moment where you just thought of a tune in your head and you go, "Shit, I need to write that down," or voice note it or whatever, like, "Oh my god, uh, where's my phone? Quick before I forget." <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I have a, that happens to me all the time. I'll be out walking or something, and an idea comes to me, so I've got a phone with me always, and I'll just put down, I hum something. So a lot of my uh, songs come that way. You know, a lot of them do come when I'm just noodling around on the guitar or hear something like this sounds really good quickly pull out my phone and put down the idea and then later on I'll, I'll record demos i'm always recording demos in my studio i mean i'm very good at coming up with music quickly i mean i've got hundreds and hundreds of riffs lying around that can be used for songs but uh lyrics is a whole different ball game lyrics can take a long time they can take months sometimes i mean i've only really been lucky in writing a song a complete song, words, music in 15 minutes. And that was my very first vocal track, Fallen Angel, which came out about 12 years ago, and um, which is the song that broke me in Europe. And um, But that's one of those sort of rare moments where you wish you had a formula you could do that again. But most of the times, um, yeah, it does take many months to write lyrics because, you know, it's it's an important part of the song. But music-wise, yeah, I mean, uh, you could say to me, uh, you know, come up with something and I'll just hear a riff and I'll do it. What is it you think that it takes you so long in lyrics? Is it, is it just the, the ideas just don't come to you? Or is yeah. there something? Because it's much more like a story. It's like writing. I mean, when I'm writing a story, you're obviously thinking about it and you write a story and then you rewrite and then you rewrite. I mean, like with my book, I rewrote that quite a few times in order to get to the poly stage. So, and you always come up with ideas with lyrics and you, you want to make the story make sense. You want to condense it because, you know, you could write a novel and it won't be. Uh, suitable for a song because a song got to have basically you know maybe three verses and, and a chorus and you got to say everything you need to say in that part so you know it's a lot of times you know you might have a uh, a full page of lyrics but then you got you got to cut it all down to make make it into a, a condensed story so it is it takes a lot more working um with it um and like i said fallen angels just sort of one of those things i was sitting on my um bed actually with a guitar and the chords came to me in about five minutes and then the lyrics just poured out of me a little story that i had and um yeah, 
and I wish I could do that all the time, but it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Have you ever had any, any lyrics personal at all, though, or story-based? Um, all my lyrics are basically uh, observations of life, real life, yes, and they are, some of them are very personal. Um, uh, Fallen Angels actually uh, part fact, part fiction. Part fact in the sense the story of a... Uh, Lady of the Night and what happened to her is is sort of I, I knew that I knew that person, but I turned it into a story of um, uh, observation of celebrity culture, where you know people get lost in his fame and fortune and end up on in a bad state, and how the pursuit, as we said at the start of the interview, uh, of money or fame, isn't really what it's about. It's about you know doing it for the passion of music or passion of writing or passion for whatever you you know you do. Um, so yeah, that that's that's yeah. I mean, a lot of my songs are based on my own personal observations. Um, and then I've got one song called "Louder Than Words," which is basically uh, got three different meanings. Which I'm, you know, each person can find something from it. Um, if you watch a video, you'll get one meaning. If you listen to the song lyrics itself, you'll get another meaning. And then uh, there's a, another deeper meaning behind it. But uh, I don't like to reveal that because the songwriters, you want people to make up their own interpretations and then mm. see what they get it from. But it, it, most of my music is very uplifting and, and positive. I love that. And great song. I really enjoyed Louder Than Words. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so, I, I was reading um, early in, in your career, you decided to move to Melbourne to focus, put all your energy into yeah. music career. What was it that yeah. made you decide to actually move to Melbourne? What was it in Melbourne that you thought could help? Well, that's that's where all the uh, you know music scene is, you know, and that's where the record companies were. So I had to go there and sort of you know in order to do me journalism, you know, because I could get calls like you know, can you be any, uh, here in thirty minutes to interview say um, uh, you know a band that's in town, and and I have to do that because when I was living in the country, it was like two hours away, so there's no way I could do that. So I lived in Melbourne, you know, uh, for about six years. And, um, you know, now now I, I live outside of Melbourne, so I, it doesn't worry me anymore. I mean, nowadays also, post-pandemic, a lot of artists are doing stuff via Zoom, which is what we're doing today. So, um, but, yeah, look, now that, I've, you know, you, ha- you have to be that. There's a point in your, in your career where if you're going to go serious about it, you have to move to the place you have to go. I mean, look in America. I mean, they go to L.A. in order to try and make it or they go to New York. You go to London, for example, you know, in, in England. So you can't just stay in your, in your hometown. You got There's There comes a time where you got to make a decision of, look, if I'm going to do this full time, I want to try and make it big, I have to go and stay there. And you got to do it. Yeah, absolutely right. It's funny when you said that, I was thinking, how many songs are out there about a girl moving to L.A. with dreams of becoming an actress? It's like, <laughs> it's such a trope. <laughs> Oh, absolutely, and that is it's it's a, it's a universal theme. I mean, uh, it's interesting because um, Fallen Angel. There's a song by Poison called Fallen Angel, which is you know sort of a, a, a girl who goes off to Hollywood and that sort of stuff. So, um, and I love Poison now, but um, the thing about Fallen Angel, uh, my song is uh, I'm a big, huge Brian Adams fan, and um, mm. I uh, I love the riff to uh, Run to You. You know the the oh. so if you listen to Run to You. I, uh, I took that riff, I reversed it, I changed the notes around, I added my own little bit to it, and uh, I wrote my riff to it, you know, and it's completely like when you, you hear it, it doesn't sound nothing like Brian Adams, but you can hear that influence. And I was listening to Hysteria at the same time by Def Leppard, and it's got that sort of feel to it too. So there's all these influences that came to me, what I was listening to at the time. Um, but then, you know, you listen to a song and it's totally it's totally me. I mean, it's it's got a very much classic 80s vibe to it um and it's got my you know 
doing my guitar solo and, and that sort of stuff. So, you know, I wear my influences on my sleeve. I'm not afraid to sort of, um, uh, you know, show them to the world, really. I, I love that though because so many musicians are like no this is me everything is me and you know you go out and no this person inspired me this is my that's right I don't want to say tribute you know like I'm wearing on my sleeve my fandom on my sleeve I love that it's amazing that's right you know look there's nothing I mean you know really seriously what originality is about putting your own take on something to make it your own and you know what can, I mean you can't reinvent the wheel the wheel's already invented right and in music there's only seven notes I mean there's Ed Sheeran's recently showed in his court case you can get, take four chords and you can make thousands of songs out of those four chords and they all sound you know very much similar so that's there's a fine line between you know copyright stuff you've got to be very aware of that obviously you can't just copy stuff that's not right but to be influenced by something is i think it's proud i mean I, i'm not going to walk around saying oh look at me I've, I've invented this piece of music that's totally different because it's not i mean you can find um, a connection to something that came before, you know, like, uh, yeah, I mean, really, everything that's come out of rock and roll, you can go back to the 50s, Chuck Berry or, you know, um, it, it dates back. To, I mean, even the Beatles, I mean, you know, they they really made a lot of stuff. They were the most influential band of all time because they really started the whole songwriting, your own stuff, and, you know, and took it to areas where now we all look to that sort of stuff and go, wow, look what they did. But we're just sort of, building on on top of something that was already built there, you know, but making it our own. Absolutely. It made me laugh, that Ed Sheeran case, because like you say, there's four chords. Like, you can only, like, status quo made a career of using the same ones over and over again. It's going to happen. People are going to overlap. That's right. Yeah, they made a career out of using three chords, you know. Um, (laughs) So um, uh, that's right, you know. Um, And, you know, look, there's a a, a John Cougar, it was a classic example. I mean, he used three chords. He used the same song and rewrote it. With different lyrics. I mean, uh, Jack and Diane, if you listen to that, as well as um, ROCK and USA and um, Small Town, it's the same chord progression, you know? So um, very clever. I mean, you got to give it to him. It's very clever and very original in the way he approached it. So it's all got to do with how you approach something and how you make it your own, you know? Um, yeah, so, I'm, you know, I, I don't know if this is the right word, but uh, I hate pompous artists who go around saying, I've invented this new new piece of music and new t- no one's ever heard before. And I'm going, well, bullshit, because basically it's been done before, but you've just put your own touch to it. Absolutely. <laughs> <It's, it's exactly. laughs> you probably get a lot of comments now by people saying, no, what is he talking about? <laughs> uh, so, as, oh. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, my friend. That's all I was going to say. Um, That's right. Yes, yes. You've been part of a few bands as well. You were part of Double Vision uh, and Geisha, but obviously you've ended up going on your own. Like, is Do you prefer playing solo or was it just some things with the bands that just didn't work out or what actually was going on there? Um, oh, look, I, look, with the bands, I mean, this is another thing about bands. Bands is like being married, right? So there's always dramas, <laughs> right? So with my bands, it was always about, especially Double Vision. I did all the hiring, all the firing, all the managing I used to pay the guys really well. But in the end, um, it just, you know, band members think uh, they want one thing, but they don't understand the vision. It was always my band. It was always my vision. And um, and anybody who says that a band is democratic, I'm going to tell you right now, are talking a load of bullshit because basically I believe in in, in what, um, what was it, John Bon Jovi, I think he said, don't, don't correct me on this, but he someone said that um, it's a democratic dictatorship. And that's basically what it is. If you look at every band that's successful, 
there's always one or two musicians who are the leaders of the band. And the reason why they're still around is because of that. Let's look at the Rolling Stones, Jagger and Richards, right? Without those two, that band would have gone anywhere, right? Look at um, Kiss. Who are the main main guys who keep driving Kiss? Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, right? Um, Foo Fighters, Dave Grohl, all right? So if you don't have a guy who drives a band um, and with the vision, no matter what you do, it's going to fall by the wayside. So it's always that strong visionary. And it's, and it's not easy to, to have that strong vision because you're going, to have, you're going to come across members who think that they know better than you or want to take you in a different direction when you know where to go. So it is, it's a sort of a, I mean, obviously you've got to give and take. I mean, I've always been about, you know, allowing people to bring, excuse me, <clears throat> their, um, their input. But at the end of the day, you make the decision. So being a solo artist is actually a lot harder because everything falls on your shoulders. So you make the choices. If something doesn't work out, you got to live with it. If it works out, you get the credit for it. So, um, but again, you know, being a solo artist doesn't mean that I'm the guy playing all instruments because you still need other musicians. But the group of musicians I work with now in Sweden, they are absolutely fantastic guys. I really love the guys. They, they, uh, you know, are great musicians who listen to my vision. They bring in their own little sort of a uh, touch to it and uh, works really well, you know. And uh, I love that. And and I think uh, that's what makes a healthy sort of a band format, you can say. Love that. But you're absolutely right. You know, every single band you think of, they've got a leader. They've got that person that people recognise as the front, the front person. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's true. I mean, look at Van Harlan. We've had Van Harlan. I mean, uh, it's Eddie. It's Eddie and Alex, really. But you know, those they, they are the brothers. You know, I mean, David Lee Ruff. Yes, he was the face of the band. But really, I mean, uh, Eddie was the guy that kept it. You know, yeah. I mean, Metallica though. You've got Lars, Kirk, and James. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, That's I right, guess yeah. a, a collect, obviously, I, I don't know. I can't remember the bassist's name. I feel oh. really bad. But, oh, okay, thank it. you. <laughs> but obviously, it's always been like James, Kirk, and Lars, isn't it? It's always been those three. So I guess they're more of a collective than unless – would you say James is the leader, though? Um, you know what? Behind that band, I can tell you right now, it's Lars. It's Lars who is really the the guy behind. Really? The band. Yes, don't get me wrong. James, James is very much part of it with with Lars. But you just look back in the history of uh, of Metallica. I mean, it's Lars's vision was the one who wanted to put the band together. You know, and um, but yes, look, they are very much collective. I mean, they. I mean, you look at Robert. Um, even though he's been part of Metallica now for what twenty years, you still yeah. look at Metallica as being James. Kirk and Lars, you know, because that's how strong personalities they are. Um, but if you stand aside from being a guitar player, it's always going to be Lars and James who come across. But then you go back even further, and it's like, yeah, Lars is the guy who's really behind this, you know. Um, but you know, not not to uh, yeah, take away anything from what James's t- contribution is, because he's very much part of it. But yeah, there's a, if you got to really look deep and go, nah, Lars is more about the business side of things. You can tell. Absolutely, absolutely. I love that. So, 2010, I believe it was, you decided to release your first solo material. Yeah, that's what, right. What made you decide it was time? Let's it's time to let, let's record something. Let's put my own music out there into the world. Um, I got sick of um playing with idiots in bands, really. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you know, I've been doing all this. Uh, I'll just go up by myself, stuff this, and just do it to myself. So that's that's what I did. I just basically decided it was time to sort of uh go on my own and, and and leave the dramas behind. And uh, it's been, I'll tell you, it's been 
such a a, a a better life to do that rather than dealing with yeah. <laughs> Which now <and> I could <laughs> write a whole book about that sort of stuff, but uh yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's like, why did I release my music? Because I do not want to work with people anymore. Leave me alone. <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, yeah. so for those that are just thinking, for the, the people who might be listening to this that aren't aware of your music, how would you describe it? How is your best way to describe your music? Um, it's pretty much pop rock, you know, um, with uh, elements of very much classic uh, rock influences. Um, it depends because, you know, if you're talking about my Lone Runner album, it's totally nothing like it it's uh it's an experimental electronica instrumental ambient al- album which is much more in the style of um brian eno massive attack and vangelis you know um while my my normal sort of singer songwriter stuff is much more in the you know um in the in the in the ba- in the band form electric stuff is very much classic rock but in the acoustic vein it's very much neil young meets cat stevens sort of stuff with a touch of uh, tom petty that's yeah. a great way to describe it. I love that. Oh, I'm glad. Um, thank you. Slave to the Fingers, I actually, I really, really enjoyed. I had it, I had it on this oh, evening. So, uh, no, not at all. Not at all. But um, just quickly, I love asking musicians this question. Music videos, Joe, love them or hate them, as in the production, the making of them, the setting them up, that sort of thing, rather than the finished article? Um, I, I, I'm very much old school. I love the videos where they used to have bands play live, you know. Um, I mean, I think videos have gone, has become sort of like a movie thing now where, you know, a lot of times you'll watch a video and it's got nothing to do with the songs about, you know. I mean, you, you and, and, and the problem with that is it's, 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 you, you tend to sort of, once you see a video and then you listen to the song, you're always going to have that image of that video in your, in, in, when you hear the song rather than listening to the song and getting your own interpretation. And um, so I think there's a fine line with how they make videos um, nowadays because a lot of them you look at it and go, what the hell are they talking about? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm very much old school. I love the uh, old clips of you know, um, bands sort of miming to, you know, whatever or, you know, sort of images and that sort of stuff. So um, the video, look, the video medium has, you know, since MTV really era have has become a very strong um, point in selling records, you know. Um, now... Um, I think Spotify has even changed the ball game because now, um, you know, back in the day, I remember you would buy vinyl, you sit down, you pour yourself a, you know, a drink, uh, listen to the vinyl, pick up the uh, album, read the notes, read the, you know, the, the lyrics, and it was an experience. Nowadays, you just go to Spotify, listen to something, you go, yeah, hey, next one, and there's no more, you know, in the context of a whole album, which is, you know, a shame because there's some great albums out there that people should listen to. Um, so yeah, look, it's ever changing. I think the uh, the way we consume music and videos are very much still part of that. Yeah, it's very much a case of I want it now. I want it now. What? Uh, okay, listen to that. What's next? You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like you say with music videos. I I literally used to record Kerrang or Scuzz or whatever was on over here. I'd I'd record it literally whole VHS the whole way through. I'd leave it recording all night. And I'd sit in my room every day after school. I'd put it on. I'd just let it play over and over again. I used to love for hours. I'd lie there. It was great. But obviously, yeah. music videos now aren't so prominent. It's like lyric made videos, or people can't be asked oh, yeah. to actually do any. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. And that's I used to do the same thing too. I used to record stuff and and just watch it on video over and over again. And um, yeah, yeah. So I agree with you. That that that. Yeah, again, that was fantastic to do that. Yeah. So 
obviously we said earlier how you've worked with some incredible musicians over your career, but around the same time of Creature of Habit coming out, you ended up touring as a guitarist for Steve Harley. So- um, yeah, Steve Harley came out to Australia. Yes, he came out to Australia and I did the, uh, the, 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 he was on a promo tour. So we did radio sessions together. We did um, some other media sort of uh, concerts together. So it was fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, I had interviewed Steve about, Oh, in the early 2000s and we got you know got along really well together so we you know we kept in touch and um when he said he's coming out to australia he said you know he knew about my guitar playing because i had already sent him music and uh, he said i really love your guitar playing how was that to be my guitar player on on tour you know and i go well that that'd be great yeah so you know i um i sat down and I learned that guitar solo to um make me smile and uh i think i spent three months learning that note by note perfectly and um and basically my audition was um, the first time I actually met Steve was when he came out, when he landed in Australia, he was in his hotel room. He says, come and see me this afternoon. Um, we'll meet for the first time and sit down, bring guitar and play me um, a song. So I went to his hotel room, sat me down and he goes, uh, okay, so uh, play me, uh, make me smile, the guitar solo. And I'm going, oh, wow, talk about this. So uh, I played it. <laughs> There's a uh, sort of a, a bit of a pause, and he goes, "Fantastic, you've got the job. That is absolutely superb, spot on." And he said to me later that, um, out of all the guitar players he's ever worked with, only four guitar players ever play the guitar solo correctly. And he said I was one of them, and that was like, wow, you know, because um, a lot of times you, you see the guitar solo being played, and it's not necessarily correct, you know, it's the phrasing. And it's 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 not a really easy guitar solo. It's a really difficult guitar solo. There's a great feel to it. So um, but uh, yeah, I was just really wrapped because I was nervous as hell. I'm thinking if I stuff this up, I'm not going to get the job. But it worked. So um, yeah, it paid off. And yeah, and ever since then, um, yeah. So I played with him for uh, it was about two week uh uh tour. And um, yeah, when I come to London, I always sort of catch up with him and have dinner with him, and uh, we just keep in touch. So absolutely fantastic. Amazing. So basically, he got off the plane, gave you a phone call, and said, "Come up and see me. Make me smile." That's correct. Hey, I love oh. that. A... <laughs> that is fantastic. Oh, I'm I love so that sorry. <laughs> I can't tell if Tom looks proud or embarrassed. <laughs> I wonder. Sometimes I wonder. I do this show with you. <laughs> love it. Love it. I, I love it. That's great. So we've mentioned the journalism. Like, where did that come into it in your career? What what made you want to step into the world of writing about music? I just loved. Uh, I, I grew up in the era of Cream and um, what was those mate? Hot Hit Parader and um, Circus magazines. You know where? And you know early days of um, Rolling Stone and um, in Australia we had like Duke magazine and you know New Musical Express. You know the old the old school mm. New Musical, not not the one today. And uh, yeah, always just loved writing. You know, and um, yeah, I just started. Um, getting some stuff sort of out there and then I uh I got a break with a, a band in Australia that sort of um got published and that just sort of encouraged me I thought oh, I love doing this and then eventually I just worked my way up you know until record companies um started calling me and say you know interview this band and it's been there in the right time at the right place I mean Nickelback was my very first I was the first guy to interview Nickelback in Australia and um I spent three days with them and uh my interview got published and um and then six months later they were massive you know and that's what i mean it being at the right time john may was another one when when i met him and interviewed him no one knew who he was you know he was just like who is this guy and um 
eventually uh, it got published. It was a very, I think it was the very first interview with John Mayer published in a UK magazine. And um, and then about six months later, again, he was big. And then John kept asking for me every time he came out to Australia to do interviews because he knew we love talking about guitars. And um, so, yeah, and then my name just got out there and, yeah, and that's, that's how it all sort of uh, went for me. That's awesome. Did your like connections to the music industry through your playing and bands and stuff like that? Did that help in getting your name out there in journalism? Or was it no, no? Because when I when I started doing the playing full time, I actually quit journalism because uh, I wanted to do my music and be taken for my music um, seriously for who I am, not because of what I did. So no, um, that's why there's sort of nothing really between two thousand and. 12 um to about 2000 well since the pandemic um because basically i was just concentrating on recording i got a record deal and and touring really and but now because i've earned my um my reputation and my respect from my music as well as my journalism i can incorporate them together so they sort of come together now and i can go off in both worlds easily now but yeah i, I it was very important for me that i was st- because you know at the end of the day none of those um like the the media outlets I was working for at that time, none of them actually really uh, supported what I did. Like when I went out and said, "Look, I've got a new record out. You know, can you um give it give it a bit of a plug?" None of them said yes to it. You know, because basically I was no longer working for them. So um, now it's different because basically I, I've earned that sort of. I, I had to work my way up to sort of uh, gain that respect. But that, now it's it's fine because um. They see it, it's two different worlds. I mean, and a lot, lot of writers are like that. I mean, there's writers now who are musicians, authors, and you know, radio broadcasters. I mean, it's 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 become a different ball game now, where you're not just one thing. I mean, look at look at um, Joe Elliott. He had a um, is it Planet Rock? He's got a, a radio show, you know. Um, so you know, a lot musicians have now become sort of uh, there's different avenues they can go down to now. Yeah, you find quite a few. Like, I think Alice Cooper and Nikki Six, they've all had radio shows yeah. and stuff like that as well. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, sort of. Um, they always sort of give themselves a bit of a plug, which is you know, nothing wrong with it. I mean, it is your your own show, so. But um, it is a different ball game now, and, and I think social media and because the way the world's going, it, it, it's opened up those sort of avenues now. Where you know, if you, if I'm say if I had a show on say a podcast. I will plug something of mine. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. But you go back 20 years, it, it wasn't really on because a, this, this stuff didn't really exist, you know. So you had to sort mm. of keep it separate. But now it, it, it doesn't matter. When you were offered, like, to interview Foo Fighters and Queen and mm-hmm. Kiss, and that's a, it like, must just be, like, really, you want me to speak to Metallica? Like, are you, like that must have been mind-blowing, um, look, in the early days, it was sort of a bit of a starstruck thing, but then you get used to it because uh, I always walk in as as being like one of the band, and that's the thing. That's one thing like um, that that uh, sort of uh, what, what's the word for it um, distinguished me from other writers because I'm a musician, I'm a guitarist, I speak their language, I know their mindset, so I, I walk in there as I'm one of the band members, and they open up to me, and they know they can talk to me on that level, so I can get out, I can get stuff out of the guys. Um, differently than, say, a normal journalist, right, um, who would just sort of ask the basic questions or, you know, whatever they want or tabloid crap, you know. So, um, you know, meeting Metallica was, was, you know, it was just, yeah, I mean, it was like, yeah, well, I'm talking to, uh, you know, Metallica, James and uh, Kirk, but uh, at the same time, it's like, yeah, these are just, just my peers. I grew up with these guys, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm a musician. So, you know, 
yeah, it is, look, it, it is. You got to sort of keep it on the on the professional level. But um, I'm, I'm very particular about um, you know, um, you know, the facts and 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 respecting you know one another in at the same level type thing. I mean, I really hate lazy journalists. I mean, there's nothing worse than journalists who just ask stupid questions. Like, for example, oh, how did Metallica get their name? Now, it's it's something that can take you two minutes to look up on the internet anyway. Uh, and not only that, put yourself into say James Hep. Hetfield's um, place. If he's been asked that so many times, gonna, one day's going to come where he's going to go, I'm walking out of this interview, I'm not doing this, you know. And then what happens then is that journalist will write a story saying James Hetfield was this arrogant, you know, walked out the, the uh, interview. And people think, oh, look at James, look what's happened. They don't understand there's, there's a different side. That didn't mm. happen because of James, it happened because the journalist was, was quite lazy, you know. So you got to be aware of that sort of stuff and, and just respect it. No, absolutely. I mean, we we've interviewed bands uh, for another for a volunteer thing that we do. Um, I do ask that question. I'm always intrigued. I mean, I know you could always look it up and whatnot, but some bands, I'm always intrigued as to why because obviously, come with the band name is so difficult, <laughs> especially this day and age now where everyone's got the internet and everyone everyone's got a platform to do whatever they want on. So finding a name for something now is insanely difficult. But I'm always intrigued by what they thought of before. That's more why I asked that question rather than oh you know yeah. why did you pick why did you pick that snare drum Lars on Saint Anger why did you pick that snare drum mm. I've been mm, asked right. that so many times right. yeah. <laughs> so when it comes to interviewing bands do say Metal Hammer for example turn around and go right we want you to go talk to I'm just going to say Metallica because we we're just talking about them. do they say like we want you to talk about this this and this or do you just go or do they just go go interview them? And then you just come up with what? Well, mostly you-, um, you, you go, you you sort of, uh, for example, you know, if you get, say you get an access to a band and you say, oh, I've got access to, say, Metallica, you want a story? And I go, yeah, yeah, go do a story. So you got to get a sign first, a story. You can't just sort of go out and do it. They, You know, you you, you let your editors know. And um, But no, most of the time, look, 99% of the time, you gotta, you got to do the uh, research and the questions and yourself and hopefully – by writing a good story, the editor likes it and runs it. Because if it's a if it's a bad story, they're not going to run it. That's the thing. Unless it's something really, you know, like um, you know, major. That's that's you know, so different. But um, yeah, you got to just realize what does what does what do the readers want? That's the thing. Always think about what would you like to read in the magazine. Do you want to read about um, say you know James's new guitar? Or do you want to read about James' new hot rod? So you, you know, you think about. What does a, do the readers want to read this time? And you go through all the different interviews they've done and you make sure that and you repeat something that's been done before because nothing worse than doing an interview and go, hang on, this is an interview sort of like I read like 10 years ago. So you've got to make sure it's something that's relevant, new, fresh and different. So the reader can go, wow, that was really cool. I like that. That's really, I like that. Obviously, we do what we do. I'm just sitting there going like, Taking notes for this, cheers, James. Great. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to point out as well. Obviously, we've said you talk to these amazing bands, but you do also do work just writing articles in general. Uh, I've, I saw, <laughs> yeah. I believe, I saw one about a, a guitar and stuff like. What other sort of things do you write about? Um, mostly just about. I look, I do uh, anything about music. Basically, I write about. You know, I, I can uh, write about an artist. I can write about an album, specific album. Um, yeah, just anything to do with music that relates, you know, like, you know, from an interview, I'll put together a story, you know. Um, so, yeah, as long as it's music-oriented, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I love writing about it. So, you know, appreciate them of older albums, you know, like I've been doing a column for Goldmine magazine every month. It's called In Search of Vinyl Gold, where I 
gold where I um write about a an overlooked album and discuss it, you know, and you know, and and mention why people should check it out again, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, I love magazines like Mojo. That's one of my favorite magazines. You know, like a you know the English way of writing stories is fantastic. So you know, I, I that's what I do. I just write stories and and um yeah. So I uh what's you know I do uh yeah it's just anything to do with music really. The, the magazine industry has sort of taken a massive hit in regards to the fact that you can now just get it on your phone, you know. So, like, obviously, magazines have started to disappear, especially in the UK, uh, because people just access it via Apple or whatever. You know, everything's now handheld. Um, does that ever worry you, or would you just move straight to digital rather than write for mags? Um, it, it does worry because I'm, I'm old school. I love. I mean, I can't read something on on the computer. I, I love to have it in my hand. You know, I'm, I'm old school, right? But yeah, it has. I mean, a lot of magazines have now. I mean, that's why they got a, a online uh, site, so you can have you know a digital version and a physical version. But um, look, a lot, lot of my stuff, you know, what gets published in print later on gets comes out in in the digital version, which is that's just the way of the world, really. I mean, some stuff like the gold mine column I do, that's purely online, so you can read it straight away. And and I think that the, the big thing about publishing um, physical and publishing digital is with digital, it's instant. Right, so if you if I publish an article, say now it's online now. But if I go to a magazine, it's going to take three months before it hits the newsstand, sort of thing. So, um, and that's why it's so important that if you write an article like that, that it's still relevant in three months' time. You know, so um, so yeah, it's, it's it's a fine line you got to sort of walk between digital and physical. But um, yeah, it's it's just a way of the world. I mean, it's a shame because um, some great. I mean, I I just loved. In the old days, where you just go to a news agent, you know, and buy your magazines, go and sit down and, and read them. Now you got to literally on your phone, you know. I mean, I can't write really on the phone. I don't know how people can do this, but uh, I still need the old school computer to actually write. Um, but you know, I've, my friends, you know, I've seen people just go on the phone and go, "How do you do that?" I mean, if I had to write an article on the phone, it will take me two probably two months to write a simple article that can take me ten minutes on the computer. <laughs> Could be worse. You could be like typewriter. Come on, I can't even do computer That's, yet. Typewriter, pen and paper. But it's it's amazing looking at all the stuff you've done in the world of journalism, the people you spoke to, and all that stuff. Do you have any like particular favourite memories from that world? Any days you just like, God, that was a good day. Um, yeah, look, Sir George Martin, the fifth Beatle, you know, who who passed away a few years ago probably one of the highlights of my career because, I mean, you know, that was purely and truly a true legend of, you know, of rock music, you know, the the Beatles, you know, how close can you get to the Beatles and, and Sir George Martin, you know, and just wonderful to sort of have the chance to actually meet him and spend time with him. You know, it was about half an hour in his, in his hotel room and I met Lady Martin, you know, it was just absolutely fantastic talking about John Lennon, the Beatles, um, Jeff Beck, who, by the way, was his favourite guitar player, Jeff Beck, you know, is amazing. So, um, and and uh, Lemmy from Motorhead. How can I say? I mean, Lemmy from Motorhead, purely and truly, again, one of the real rock stars of our time. Um, intelligent, witty, um, didn't take, didn't suffer fools gladly. You know, um, really, really nice guy. And I was just so honoured that when he offered me to sort of, um, you know, spend time with him, um, and you know, just just wonderful time. I mean, he when I first interviewed him. Um, he put me through my paces because Lenny was, he was, he didn't like journalists who were who were lazy or asked stupid questions. So I made sure 
that I asked him engaging questions and he really, really loved it. And when he said to me at the, at the end of the interview, Joe, that was one of the best interviews I've done. You're coming backstage. Make sure you're there in six months. I want to see you. And I was. And to, oh. to be invited by Lenny. So the whole story is in my book, by the way, about Motorhead. So, um, yeah, yeah. So it's fantastic. That is, oh. that is incredible. Um, soon as you've mentioned it, let's bring it up. Um, you've obviously got your own autobiography, uh, Backstage Past the Grit and the Glamour. What made you want to put your stories and your life out there for the world to read? Um, over the years, everyone said to me, you must have a lot of stories about all these people that you met and, you know, you played with. And I go, yeah, yeah. And they used to say to me, why don't you write a book? I go, oh, no, I don't think so. It'll take, it'll take forever. Um, but, you know, when the pandemic happened, I thought now's the time to do it. Now, the, the reason I could write the book first is, I've kept diaries for the last 30 years, detailed diaries. So I've everything, everybody I've met, every gig I've played, it's detailed in my diary. So that way I can remember things because I've got it written down. And then obviously the stuff that I've forgotten, it helped me to refresh my memory. So that's the reason I can do it because half the time I wouldn't even remember what I've done yesterday. So it was, so thank <laughs> God I had those diaries. Um, there's enough material there for three books. Oh, my oh, days. So so, yeah, so the first book is what's out. It's called Backstage Past, The Grit and the Glamour. Um, like I said, stories about, you know, um, hanging out with um, Motorhead, um, Brian May from Queen, um, Sir George Martin, you know, Disturbed. There's a lot of metal guys in there, a lot of pop guys, a lot of guitar guys, a lot of um, classic guys like Status Quo, and a lot of um, guys like um band called Hinder who are, Oh. You know, how can I say? There's a few little, uh, you know, if you, you if you're after sex, drugs, rock and roll, you're not going to get that with this book. But you are going to get stuff about what it's really like to be backstage. What they're really like is just normal human beings. Um, you know, you might have a bit of a touch of, you know, some that sort of stuff there. Like Hindi touched a bit about some of their uh, revolting um, backstage uh, stuff they used to do, which is quite funny at times. You know, when you read it. So, um, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to go down that whole sort of sex, drugs, rock and roll thing because, look, there's so many books about that and it gets boring after a while. I want to show a side that people don't really see if they're artists. And, and everyone's really enjoyed the book. You know, they're saying it's, it's fantastic. Um, we didn't know this about, you know, Lemmy or we didn't know this about so-and-so, which is great, you know. So, um, and it, it's it's a respectful thing too, by the way. So, hmm. That's incredible. I think Jamie would love that. That's yours. I was going to say, yeah, value, yeah, I, do yeah, yeah. I, was, I was when I was doing the research. I was like, I'm going to have it. I'm going to order a copy of this. this yeah, go on, Amazon. Mate, get yes. it on Amazon. But but I was going to ask, like, having such a career in so many wonderful, how the hell do you remember it all? But as you said, detailed journals. That is great. I love that because I always yeah. wonder that when people like, autobiographies. Yeah, is important because you know, like I've, I've read um. I'm sure you read like uh, The Dirt by Motley Crue many years ago, right? And uh, Nikki Six's Diaries, the Heron Diaries, whatever. Now, mm. a lot of times you read that and you go, now, wait a minute. If you've supposedly died three times and come back, right? And at that time, you can't remember because I've read interviews that from that period. You can't remember what happened. But then 30 years later, you remember in detail what happened. How can that be so? So, and yeah, and at that time, he says he's never kept diaries. So, I go, but that's all myth-making. Because, look, half the time, um, a lot of stories are exaggerated in order to engage you as a reader. I mean, I'm not saying it's not totally true, but a lot of times exaggerated, you know. Um, I mean, I, I, I know Tom Werman, the producer of um, Girls, 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 um, Theatre of Pain, and um, 
What's the other one? Uh, the third album they, the other album they brought out, and he told me that a lot, a lot of stuff that Nikki Six talks about in regards to like the, the cult symbolism and that sort of stuff. It's all bullshit. It's all like myth making. You know, it's just putting out there so people can go, "Wow, Motley Crew, they're into this stuff. That's cool. Let's get into it." He says they were really focused on making that record as successful as possible. So, which is why they got Tom Werman because he was the guy to go to to have a successful album that was on radio. And that tells you everything, same as Twisted Sister. He made them, you know, radio-friendly. So all these bands that used to go to Tom Werman wanted to go to him because they want to become successful. And then they say, oh, we were into this sort of, you know, drug-addled period where we didn't know what we are doing and blah, blah, blah. It's all myth-making. I mean, it's rock and roll. I mean, rock and roll without myths, what is it? <laughs> you, need, you need your myth-making, Yeah. I suppose Nicky Six as well. He probably didn't like. I don't want people to think I've gone off from a gig and I've gone in my into my hotel room and I'm sitting down and written what I've done today. It's like I went out and did lots of drugs off hookers' backs. That's yeah, right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, one thing as well. I was reading the reviews on Amazon for the book, and one thing that really stood out to me, and I had to mention it. Someone made reference to a guitar pick collection. Um. Guitar pick collection. Um, hang on. Um, in, in regards to what? I haven't seen that comment. The comment which it was just on one of the Amazon. It was like he wanted to learn more about your guitar pick collection. Oh, um, well, I did bring out guitar picks, signature guitar picks. Um, I, uh, I every tour I ever did, I had a specific uh, guitar pick, which is you know like what most bands do anyway, just as merch type sort of thing. So um, yeah, I've still got that some of the uh, leftovers from each tour. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't seen that comment, so I've got to check that comment out. Oh, Is that on go. Amazon comment? Yeah, it was yeah. on Amazon. Okay. okay. I know, look, I've got some diehard fans. I know that. I mean, there's a guy in America who has got everything I've ever put out or done, and half the, and there's some stuff I go, I don't even know I did that. You know, like um, <laughs> he's got he's got a you know he's got one of the red uh, t-shirts I brought out for the tour. He's got a cassette release that I brought out it was a limited edition hand numbered. He's got. Um, but yeah, it's it's fascinating. I mean, really, really nice to see diehard fans who know more about you than you do yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just um, going back to the music quickly. Um, obviously, you've got like, um, sorry, my brain is completely gone. The Lone Runner. Uh, that obviously a brand new album is completely uh, electro instrumental sort of thing. But then you've got some yeah. EPs and some records where obviously they're full band, they're singing, etc. Why have you gone for the contrast of? two different varieties of music i guess um that's just uh, i love as a musician i love exploring different styles you know and um i suppose with the pandemic you know you're not being able to go anywhere i just just felt like um that sort of style of music was much more sort of ambient and sort of ex- exploration you know so i was in my studio i love tinkling around i just thought you know what i just came up with some riffs i go oh this is good i just feel this is the sort of mood i feel and i believe in the power of music to heal and and to inspire and to um you know, just make you feel good. And, and I, I want my music to do the same thing. So I thought, you know what, I'll put together an album. So, you know, put the, the album together, a label in Australia signed me up to it and, uh, yeah, released a few, it was only about a month ago, and it, 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 it charted on the ARIA charts. So, um, you know, I've got it debuted at number four on the ARIA Jazz and Blues charts. And in that particular week, it outsold Fleetwood Mac and Michael Bublé on the chart. I couldn't oh. believe it. <laughs> Absolute win. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, you know, you can hear it on. It's obviously on Spotify too, but um, yeah, the the CD is like done really well, and it stayed in the top ten for uh, three weeks in Australia. 
Oh, congratulations, man. That's, That's phenomenal. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. Thank awesome. You. What, what's the feedback like from it with your fans? Because obviously they're used to hearing you a certain way, and now you're like, here's oh, no, something completely yeah. different. Yeah, they say it's really good sort of music they put when they're um, working away or when they're in a car or they're trying to relax and chill out a bit. It's, it's really good. It's, it's a nice contrast to what I do because, like you said earlier, Slave to Fingers, that's very much in the style of Joe Satriani, sort of, um, you know, uh, Gary Moore and sort of rocky, hard rock stuff. So um, so if you love sort of that high-energy guitar, you know, air guitar, you'll listen to that. But when you want to chill out a bit more, you listen to Lone Runner. So, you know, there's that contrast to it. That's amazing. I think it's a genius move, actually, because um, I know a lot of artists and a lot of bands like tend to to veer off and go a different way. And a lot of fans are like, "What are you doing? Why are you doing?" You know, because obviously they're trying to keep not relevant to the wrong word, but they're obviously experimenting in different areas to stay fresh. And uh, for people to be like, "Oh, I quite like this sound. It's quite nice. You've got some of the heavy stuff over here." And they're like, yeah. "Bring Me the Horizon" are a perfect example. They were obviously oh, yeah. heavy, as hard as fuck, yeah. and then they all they went like R and B ish almost. And it's like, that's a very, they're so different. And then their new singles are like more electronic-y with breakdown. Yeah. Like it's it's so great to be so eclectic and have so much different stuff for, you know, whatever mood you're in, I guess. Absolutely. I get that. And so you're right. Classic examples bring me the horizon. I mean, I love that uh, that collaboration I did with Ed Sheeran. That is absolutely brilliant. Oh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, uh, if you weren't a fan of that band, you'll be a fan of that band after you hear that. I mean, that's brilliant. I love bands who do that, like you said, who who aren't afraid to sort of um, go against the trends and just explore stuff. You know, I've never been about trend. I've been, like I said earlier, it's about I love my influences. I'm proud of my influences. I don't care if someone says, oh, that's a bit old school. I don't care because, you know what, fans, uh, there are fans out there who love old school, you know, and I, I play for the stuff that I like that hopefully there's an audience out there who like it too. So, um, but yeah, and then I'm not afraid to experiment because, um, yeah, as an artist, you don't you don't want to be, you get bored after the same. I mean, I couldn't go back now and do another Slave the Fingers. It's, I, I'm you know beyond that. That was a period in time that I really enjoyed. I'm proud of it. Um, you know, now I've moved into different areas, and I just want to just keep progressing and, and growing as an artist. I've always said one of the most inspirational bands in this, if not the most inspirational band on this planet, the Beatles. Every album sounded different. Like yeah, yeah, they they tried something different and new every album. If the yeah. Beatles can do it, anyone can bloody do it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you listen to that. You listen to the first album, the last album. It's a completely different band. You know. So, um, so you know, and that that is right. That they, they explored. They they didn't stay. I mean, if if they stayed in how they were in the first um, album, they wouldn't have lasted as long as they did. You know, or, or be as influ- influential. So. Um, and that's like any of us, like any artist. If you, you notice the artists that sort of disappear after a while, the ones who sort of haven't progressed, you know, they're trying to sort of repeat a formula, which there is no formula, you know. Um, I mean, it's very rare. I mean, uh, ACDC is probably very rare because they've kept the same formula. But you know what? Bloody brilliant band, you know, absolutely. I mean, uh, I wish we could write riffs as hard and as, as good and songs as ACDC, but uh, – I mean, that's a rare occasion that, you know, they've mm. never steered away from the formula. You know it's ACDC. But, again, it's the sound. Everybody's trying to imitate that sound. You listen to all the metal bands that came after. They all try to imitate that ACDC sound, but no one ever got close to it. Maybe Crocus, you know. But, again, um, they're a distinctive band, ACDC. So, um, yeah. Yeah. No. It's a, like I get a lot of stick for being such a huge Kiss fan. And everyone's like, oh, bloody, you're always made for loving you. It's a disco record. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? They tried it, and it's probably the biggest selling song they ever did. So, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that is the biggest selling album. That's right. I loved it. I mean, um, that album, Dynasty, is uh, 
I don't care. People make fun of it and say, oh, they'll disco. And you know what? That's a bloody brilliant. There's some great tracks on that, you know. Um, yep. It was a 2000 man on that oh. one. Um, sure Knows Something, um, Dirty Living. Absolutely fantastic, you know. Um, yeah. Great record. And obviously, I know I'm going to nerd out Kiss slightly, but I know Unmasked was huge in Australia as well, especially Shandy. It was a massive song in Australia. Like- oh, absolutely. Shandy was, yeah. That, and when I heard that, it was like a pop rock song. Absolutely made for radio and i loved it you know um i know over the years the band sort of uh try to distance themselves away from but you can't you know because that, that's part of who you are um and I, I actually those two albums i prefer over a lot of the other stuff you know i mean obviously the classic stuff you know who, who can't deny that um the, the 80 stuff wasn't too bad you know um i think when they brought out um uh what was it um the one that had domino on it um revenge uh, Yes, Revenge. I love that one too. So, um, but look, I reckon Dynasty is a bloody great album. And I remember Absolutely. the big poster that came with it. Open up the vinyl, gigantic big poster of Kiss. See, it's just great. Sorry, sorry, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Don't apologize. <laughs> I don't get to nerd out about Kiss very often. <laughs> but I was looking at like some of the bands you've toured with, like supported Bass City Rollers, The Animals, and obviously we're just talking about Kiss. You toured with Peter Chris as well. Yeah, Peter Chris did a um, he did a Kiss convention in Australia about six years ago, and he was headlining. So I was one of the support acts. It was about like six, seven support acts. It was a whole day thing. So um, absolutely fantastic. And I had Bruce Kulik out at the same time. So um, yeah, you know, to see my name when they on the poster it said Peter Chris, and then had you know the the support bands and my name's up there, Joe Material, and thinking, wow, you know, it's fantastic. So look, Kiss fans are great. I mean. Um, I played a couple of Kiss covers just in my own style, which was, you know, it's okay, you know, because you really can't do Kiss without, you know, with a proper band. But, you know, I, they were happy with it. The Kiss fans were supportive. Um, I had a couple of fans who had never heard of me before who became fans of mine, you know, through that, which is really cool. Um, absolutely great, you know, and I think that was the last tour he did. He's going to retire, but I think he may be doing another show. I'm not sure, but that's probably one of his last ever live performances, which is quite an honour to be on that same bill with him. That's awesome. That is awesome. Did you get a chance to meet Peter? No, he um he sort of kept to himself. He was, that's, that's the only hard thing about it is um I wish I got to meet him. Um, a lot of times with these support acts, you don't sort of get to meet the, the headlining act at all. Um, I mean, I've met most of the ones I've played with except for Peter Chris and I think there was another one. Uh, but most of them are pretty good. I mean, the animals are fantastic. I spent time with the animals, you know. Um the basic role is fantastic. Spent time backstage with him, you know, and, and, and uh, absolutely, yeah, just really, really great times. I imagine touring with some of these bands, like you must learn so much as well, just from watching. Oh, yeah. mm. you, you do, you learn a lot about stagecraft, but you also learn a lot about the audiences, you know. I mean, uh, the basic rollers was really fascinating because uh, every night it was a sold out show, 1,000 women basically who were reliving their. Their teenage years and seventies is incredible, um, and to come out in front and just play your music, you know, because basically I was relatively not known to them, you know, I'm just a supporter. But then to actually hear them, you know, applause and 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 you know encore in, I want you to encore, which you never encore as a supporter, and um, wow. and just you know becoming fans of your music, you know, and and um, just absolutely wonderful, you know. I mean, they were really supportive. I was really really lucky to sort of um play to some really appreciative crowds. I mean, because they were really diehard, basically, roller fans, you know, and um, to win them over is fantastic. And I think as a, as a support act, that's that's really rewarding because it's about going to an, play to an audience you you don't know, who don't know who you are, you know, maybe for a few people, 
and to win a Mabel of your own music is is and is is an achievement. Is 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 satisfaction. I bet it's also amazing when fans sing back at you when you're on tours, when you're playing your songs and they're singing your lyrics right back at you. It must be an unbelievable feeling. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's happened a couple of times. There, you know, a few fans have you know followed my career all along the uh, the years and um, who know certain song sort of you know choruses and I'll start singing them. It's it's yeah, it's really rewarding. Obviously, you know, I love to hear a whole room of a thousand people sing it, but um, <laughs> just to hear some of those fans sing it fan- is fantastic. Have you missed touring? Obviously, with the pandemic and stuff, have I you have, missed yeah, touring? Yeah, I love touring. Yeah, yeah I have missed touring, I, especially Europe. I love Europe, and uh, I miss touring because um, it's great. I mean, it's, it's not it's not easy work. It's really hard work, um, but it's it's more about going on stage and playing for audiences that you know really appreciate who you are and, and your music. So yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, things settle down a bit more, and you know, maybe next year um, I may return to uh, Europe again. But we'll see. It's just it's like I said, it's more about. Each day, take it as it comes. Yeah, it'd be great to have you back there, Joe. It'd be great to have you back here in the UK. And I'll come over to England and uh, meet you guys personally. Yes. Yes, that'd be great. <laughs> so before we start bringing this to an end here, when I was doing my research, I kept hearing names of loads of Australian rock bands that I've never heard of. And I, okay. I was getting this feeling because like, they say about Canada, like Canada has this untapped music that are some of the greatest bands on the planet, but no one's ever heard of them outside of Canada. And I'm starting to get this feeling that it was the same in Australia. So what's some great Australian rock bands that you can recommend people checking out? Um, well, probably some of the classic ones that, um, you know, especially when I go to Germany, I mean, they know, they seem to have a really good knowledge of Australian bands and, you know, bands like Roast Tattoo. They are superstars in Germany. They're big in Germany, they are in Australia. I mean, you know, they were big <laughs> in their heyday in the late 70s, early 80s. But uh, in Germany, they're massive. Um some classic Australian bands. Ooh, um, you know, there, there was um, obviously you no know, in excess. Mentals Anything was another one that was big. Men at Work is another one that were, uh, you know, big over, overseas. Um, it's really hard because I I don't really hang around with much of the music scene in Australia. I'm much more focused on Europe. I know more about European bands than I do about Australian bands. Um, I mean, we've got some great musicians here, don't get me wrong, absolutely. But uh, it's interesting because when I go overseas, a lot of times I'll run into an Australian band and I'll go, Australian, they go, yeah, where are you from? Melbourne. Oh, so am I. And I go, I didn't even hear about you, you know? So <laughs> it's really weird. You get to sort of find out about your own bands overseas. A bit like, well, fuck that guy. We're from the same city. They don't even know who we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I live down the street, do you? Well, I've never seen you. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's absolutely, it's incredible. That's nuts as well. That, that yeah. is so... I was, I was, I'll tell you a story. I was, I was in, um, I was in Hamburg one day and um, I was at, at, um, sitting down having me lunch and I pulled out my uh, credit card and to pay for my um, meal and I sat down and then this guy across to me looked at me, came across and he goes, you Australian? And I'm going, yeah, are you? And he goes, yeah. And I go, how did you know I was Australian? He goes, I saw your credit card. It was um, an Australian credit card. I recognised it. And I said, oh, where are you from? He says, Melbourne. I said, so am I. Couldn't believe it. Like, you know, out of all the places in the world, Hamburg, you know, like, I mean, and that's not exactly close either. That's insane. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just love the fact he recognised the credit card of all things to pick up. I know. I was a bit worried. Thinking he recognised. Is he looking out for credit cards? Here, is he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's my neighbour. <laughs> right, yeah. My neighbour. Okay. Oh. 
So, Joe, finally from myself before I hand over to my colleague here, if people are listening to this and they're, they're like, oh, I like the sound of this, Joe, I like, I like the cut of his jib, as they say, what's one or two <laughs> songs from your back catalogue that you might recommend people going to check out just to get a feel of what you are and the sort of music you put out? Okay, well, definitely uh, Fallen Angel um, from my back catalogue from 2012. Um, and uh, and another two more would be... Uh, Louder than words, especially if they watch a video, they'll they'll get the idea. That's from about 2015, and a recent one I did with um uh with Dom Powell from Slade. He plays drums on it. It's called Inside Looking Out. It's from um last year, and absolutely fantastic guy. I've, I've had some great musicians play with me. Um, I've even got Jan Schaffer from uh, the guitar player from ABBA. He plays on one of my tracks called Take a Look. Um, as you know, Jan's the, the the number one session guitarist in Sweden, and he's he uh, he actually outsold ABBA in 1973. His day de- his debut album outsold ABBA's debut album, you know. And uh, so I, I met him um, when I toured uh, Stockholm, and um, we got along really well. He loved my music, I loved his music, and he uh, offered to play on one of my tracks. And so he plays on that track called "Take a Look." But uh, Don Powell, I've known for quite a few years from Slade. Absolutely one of the loudest drummers I've ever worked with. I mean, uh, yeah, but check it. He's on the video. So if people want to check out the uh, track. It's called Inside Looking Out. Uh, you'll see Dom playing drums um, in the video to my track. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Mr. Stevens. Do you, oh, sorry, Cam. I do. I do, actually, Jamie. Thank you. Sorry. I don't know if there's a time <laughs> lag between me and Neil. I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, Joe, two questions. Firstly, What's next for you now? What's what that you can talk about? Obviously, what's coming up? Um, what am I coming up? Okay, more well, more writing. Obviously, um, in the middle of my second book, but that still might take a couple of years before that comes out because it is a slow process. Um, I've got new music coming out still. I've you know I've recorded a few new uh, tracks which will come out later in the year. Uh, but at the moment, it's basically just promoting um, the Lone Runner. My reissue, by the way, reissues have just come out uh, a week ago. They're called. Uh, Slave to Fingers and Creature of Habits are the first two albums that have been reissued by a US label called Renaissance Records. Uh, two for One, which means two albums on, on one CD. Absolutely fantastic um, reissue with new artworks and bonus tracks. And um, so check that out um, online. You can buy the CD or on Spotify. Lone Runner, as again, you can you know buy it on, um, on CD or check on Spotify. And my book, obviously. Um, still promote my book because you know it's still relevant. Uh, Backstage past, the grit and the glamour. You can get it at any Amazon store in your country. So if it's in the UK, it'd be Amazon.co.uk or in America, it'd be .com. Um, so yeah, check it out. And um, everybody can sort of. I'm always open to. Um, I'm easily uh, into. I love interacting with fans or anybody who wants a you know has got a question. So they can find me on social media, Facebook, easy. Send me friend request. And my website, jamieterry.com. And uh, basically, you can find anything you, you want there. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Thank you very much for that. Hopefully, everybody goes and checks that out. Make sure you do. You. Everyone, listen to this right now. That's um, right. Finally, Joe, uh, when you first started out, obviously, um, playing guitar, etc., growing up in school and everything else, did you ever think that this is where you would be today with this unbelievable career you've had so far? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, I would never have thought. I mean, uh, when I was 10 years old, I had an album which had, um, it was like a uh, the, the year's you know, top tracks, you know, those compilation albums they bring out every year. And that had yeah. on that album, it had um, Basie Rollers, um, Steve Harley, Pilot, 
Slade, um, all these bands. Now, 95% of those bands listed on that album, I've played with them, I've worked with them, I know them. And, like, who would have thought as a 10-year-old that would ever happen? No way. I mean, you cannot say that you knew. I would have never known. So it's amazing what life can throw you. I mean, uh, you you just follow your – like I said at the start, it's important to be who you are. Don't be afraid to follow your own path. It's not an easy path. I mean, it's been a hard slog going up the, you know, going doing your own thing. But in the end, you always you'll find your right. As I say, you'll find your tribe, and when you find your tribe, they'll they're there for you. And um, you know, and like yourselves, I really appreciate your interest in me. Um, it's been such a pleasure talking to you guys. I mean, uh, you know, absolutely fantastic. And I, I enjoy talking to people who, who you know, who have passion for what they do. And you got a great channel there, um, both Tom and Jamie. And uh, thank you for having me. And I really appreciate it, mate. And um. Yeah, anytime. Just give me another buzz and uh, we'll love to chat down in the future. Oh, Joe, absolutely. thank you so much. That means the world. Seriously, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to yourself. Thank you so much for reaching out and uh, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's been fantastic. I really enjoyed the chat and you've had some great questions. And, um, yeah, it's just been nice to lay back. It's nice to do something that's sort of laid back. And, um, yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And, um, look, you know, what I'm going to do is anybody who sees this and they want to contact me and they mention – that they heard me on your show, right? I'll, I'll send them uh, a free MP3 for somebody. If they just, you know, oh, whatever, oh. mention that and say, I'll pick one of my songs you like, I'll send you an MP3 for free. How's that? That's incredible. Oh, hero. I love that. <laughs> okay, Thank you, you so much, Joe. That's amazing. Oh, well, that's good. No, it's been amazing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your kind words. This has been absolutely amazing. Oh, thank you so much. And you know, all the best of your channel. I love what you do. And um, yeah, yeah. And, um, so- oh, Joe, my friend, thank you so much again. Have an absolutely amazing Saturday. Um, thank you. Enjoy you it. Look after yourself. That. Yeah. And I hope it's, um, it's what, one thirty in the morning there? Yes. Is it? Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you have yourself a great, great Saturday too. And uh, we'll, we'll stay in touch. Yes, well, we definitely you. will. We definitely will. Look after yourself, all right? No worries. You take See care. You Thanks soon, a lot. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What a fantastic conversation. I loved this one. So good. Yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. And hopefully you all, all of you guys, enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. And Joe, thank you so much for taking the time, my friend. Greatly appreciated. We'll catch up soon. uh, And hopefully you enjoy what we've delivered. Absolutely. It's about getting into schools and talking to young people because, you know, I, I know that people can change. Uh, and, it, and it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever. And we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there. Absolutely. Hey there, guys. We are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults and those who wish to be as different as possible. So thank you very much. To find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do, and more importantly, how you can help, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com.
Got to see if I can fucking do this in my voice as it is. Mr. <clears throat> Stevens. Wow. Nailed did it. it. Jay. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> quiet, please. Quiet, please. Jet. Nope. Jet. No. Nope. Jet. Ooh. Sort of participation time. Participate, bitch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to participate in Jamie's participation challenge. This week, I said, the human brain, isn't it a wonderful thing? Especially our memories. We can remember important things like birthdays, but also useless things like an old mobile number we had 15 years ago. So with that in mind, what is the most useless thing that you have memorised? What say you, Mr. Stevens? Um, Knowing the location of all of my stuff. (laughs) I know where everything is. Everything ever. Well, no. I don't, do you know what? I really struggled with this, right? Because um, I don't know what useless shit I know. Everything might be useless. Yeah, or, I get what you're saying. Do you know what I mean? Like, what do you class as, like, useless information, realistically? Um, you know, I don't really know much about anything, to be quite honest with you. Um, I'm a bit of an idiot. No, <laughs> um, no I genuinely... I know that bicarbonate of soda and vinegar cleans an oven. There we are. <laughs> Fair so, enough. Or, or maybe baking soda. It's one of them anyway. One of them. Yeah. <laughs> I probably just fucked that up. Roy there was like, that's wrong actually, Tom. You know, fuck all you dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the fact you went, I know this. Uh, actually, I'm not too sure if I do know this. <laughs> yeah. I have no clue. What about you? Um, I also struggled with this. I couldn't think of any like random... There is probably loads of random, stupid little facts I know, but until it comes up in a conversation, I ain't got a clue. Oh, one I was... know. Ooh, oh, come on. Uh, sorry. Sorry to interrupt very quickly. Um, I know that you used to keep Jet in your sock. I'm glad he is. You just, like bringing, you just like bringing that up, don't you? That's what it is. <laughs> that's not even a fact or anything. That's just you liking to embarrass me. It's fine. Sorry. I did, that's <laughs> a piece of juicy information I know. <laughs> What was yours? The only bit. <laughs> the first thing that came to mind, only because I'm having a conversation about work the other day, is there's a song from Monty Python called The Money Song. And for some reason, I haven't heard this song in about five five years. And I still remember every single fucking word to this song. And I don't know why. I really don't know why I know every word to it. It's not something I've ever sat there religiously watched over and over again. But for some reason, it's just ingrained into my mind. So The Money Song by Monty Python, I know every single word. That's amazing. I mean, now you've mentioned that, that sparked off the fact I could have forgot about Dre. Eminem and Dre's parts. You can't remember mentioning this. Before. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. But if you ask me to remember anything important or anything that I probably should remember, you ain't got a hope and a prayer. Because I am useless. Anyway. Because on it. Because what? Because you're living on it. Yeah. Whoa, where ha- Sorry, I thought it was a Joey joke. I thought you might get it. That was all. No, I went on my head. So you haven't got a hope and a prayer. I was like, no, it's because you're living. Oh, 
gotcha now. Fucking hell, fine. I'm slow. <laughs> Wait, let me just spoon feed you some more. There you all go. right, it's not a good <laughs> week for me, all right? Let's get it some more dancers. Let, let's, let's. Alan Carr says, to this day, I can still remember the level select cheat code for Abe's Odyssey. It's burned into my long-term memory. What a game. What a game. There's, there's, there's a lot of this. There's quite a few people that have remembered things from video games. It's great. And random facts like this one. Nina Hewitson says, for some reason, I can still remember that the fat from Sheep's Wool is called lanolin. Okay. She went, it was a question on a pub quiz when I was 14 years old, and it's the only one I got wrong. And since then, I've never been able to forget that fact. Ah, oh, so it's like in grey, like, motherfuckers, give me that question again so I can right the wrong. <laughs> Lisa Sobis sells, still to this day, I can remember my brownie promise. <laughs> Fair play. Wow. Yeah, I, I did Beavers, I like Cubs funny. and Scouts. I don't remember any of them. I did Beavers and I was like, this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Five years old, just go up and be like, ah, oh, this is shit, I'm out of here, bye. <laughs> I was like, yeah, not for me, thanks. I think my mum put me in because she was working and my dad was away all the time. <laughs> to never form a baby soon. The beavers will look after you now, look. All right, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll, we'll see you when you're 12. <laughs> Harrison Smith, my son, says, I can remember the remove wanted level for GTA 5 story mode off the top of my heart. RB, RB, B, RT, right, left, right, left. But I can't remember any of my passwords for like anything unless I write them down. Sounds about right. Should make him the GTA password code cheat code, shouldn't you? <laughs> that's a great idea. Just make his password. Yes, that's a brilliant idea. I'm gonna tell him. I mean, don't actually do that now because we just shout that out on the show. But <laughs> yeah, to just put another letter on the end. It's fine. <laughs> this one really made me laugh. It's so bizarre. Lucy Meldrum, Lucy. Let me try again. Louise Meldrum says. The old number and jingle for high-tech windows. It was a Windows and Doors conservatory company in the early 90s. I have no idea if they're still around, but it's 0800 458 2525. Oh, my God. <laughs> you Googled that, didn't you, Louise? You Googled it. Brilliant. That's amazing, though. <laughs> Claire Jones, my old B&M staff number. Keep in mind, she works for BNM now and has a new staff number, but for some reason, she still memorized her old. There we are. I can't that cake she made earlier was incredible. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Everyone go check out Claire's Cakes on Facebook. Oh, Shannon Graham. 01216059768. It's either my old house phone or my nan's old house number. I dare someone to ring it. Please don't, people. Please don't ring it, just in case. But I love the fact she's memorised her nan's all Hello? out. <laughs> Hello? What are you wearing, Grandma? <laughs> what what colour are your panties? <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Chrissy Sweeney Fitzgerald says... Exclamation mark, semicolon, exclamation mark, semicolon, exclamation mark, semicolon, exclamation mark, semicolon. Rosebud, it's the cheat to give you all the monies in Sims on the on the on the PC. There we are. <laughs> Why ever remembers these things? Debbie Myers says, my mother says our landline number from when I was a kid, still memorized to this day, and also the fact that a pig's orgasm lasts at least thirty minutes, often longer. Two at opposite ends of the spectrum. There, mother, thanks for that. 
I don't want to know how she knows about the pig's orgasm. No, nor me, to be honest. Matt Rose, I could still remember the Konami code. The what? The Konami code. It was, um, I think, it was Street Fighter. I want to say the different, like up, down, left, right, B, A, B, did it, did it, yeah. That's Sonic. Is it Sonic? I remember there's a code on loads of different up, games. Down, left, right, A, B, A, B, A, start was yeah, Sonic. Okay. I, I, I didn't know. Which one's Konami? I want to know the code. Interesting. Janet Bowen says, "I could, the fact that French for bat translated is bald mouse. Amazing." We love that. Like that one. Lisa Clemens, the school song for Beverly Hills Elementary School, which closed after I after I was part of the last graduating class in 1979. <laughs> Fucking hell. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. Dave Richards. I haven't worked there for a long time, but I can still remember the checkout code for broccoli at Sainsbury's. It's 0327-2466. <laughs> 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 Ruby Goodwin, I can memorise Crichton's full name in Red Dwarf. I looked it up because I had no idea. It's basically just a load of letters and a load of numbers. So there we are. Ollie Roylance. I have memorised the Russian words for goldfish and hamster. Russian is not an easy language to speak, so fair play, sir. He did write it down here. I don't think it's a good pronouncer to save my life. Go for it. Go on. I knew you were going to make me try this. Uh... Morgius Finca and Zalara Yariba. That's only more Mexican, that one. Zalara What was which, which? He didn't say. But then he does say there, to be honest, I can't remember which one's which. So there we go. So one of them's the other. <laughs> James Lestive, which is pretty much all of them Lestev. here. Lestev. 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 Pretty much the same as a lot of us, I imagine. I can remember various raps from 90s cheesy R&B tunes. Yeah, fair play, fair play. <laughs> Heather Downing one that really made me laugh. I can still remember the Lord's Prayer. Fair play. Don't think I've ever mem- memorized any part of the Lord's Prayer. Oh. <laughs> Sam Aston, this one really made me chuckle. 10-9-10-9-10-5577. Second half of the Iron Man riff. No idea why it's just the second half that I can remember. I'm sure if I remembered the first part, if I had a guitar in my hand. But yeah, that's all I can remember off the top of my head. But fair play. <laughs> Matthew Malpass. The Lord's Prayer as well. And all of the lyrics to every song by Pantera. I still know them, and I don't ever listen to Pantera anymore. Clearly someone listened to a lot of Pantera when he was younger. <laughs> I'll give you a couple more. Alex Graham. Now, I'm going to prelude this by saying I had Alex Graham, Ollie Nightingale, Steve Kenny, Lucy Orchard, Sarah Greenwood, all pretty much give the same answer. But I'm just going to use Alex's as an example here. My old neighbour's registration number from their 2001 Ford Mondeo. Everyone seems to memorise licence plate numbers. Sarah listed all of the cars she's ever owned, license plates numbers. Why do people memorise these? That's amazing. Fair play. I don't know. And most of them, apart from Sarah, it wasn't even theirs. But if I missed one there, sorry, Phil Jolly, he wrote down his aunt's Vauxhall Viva registration number from 1975. That's insane. But why do people memorise this? And last but not least, simply because when I read this in the car earlier, I almost spat my drink across the car. P.R. Brown. The most useless fact I remember 
is that Trump was actually our president at one point in time. <laughs> that he was. What a mental <laughs> moment in time that was as well. Indeed it was. <laughs> but thank you to absolutely everybody that participates in Jamie's Challenge every single week. We appreciate all of your answers every single week, so please keep them on coming. Um, I loved your attempt at Russian. That was great. Um, but if you enjoy Jamie's participation challenge, you enjoy Callum's Treachings, Tom's Journal, the interview, and the absolute gobshite trash bag wank we talk at the beginning, then you enjoy the other 91 editions of the Chronicles of Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts from, whether it be Spotify, Google, or Apple, etc., 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 so on and so forth. You can also come and find us on YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcasts. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit that bell to get notified when new videos are released and comment 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 would be absolutely wonderful we'd really appreciate it you can find and i shall list these for you our interviews are all on youtube our shows are all on youtube our hashtag wbw way back wednesdays are on there as well our bloodstock live interviews our bloodstock vlog and our dublin crust live interviews are all on there for you to thoroughly enjoy uh, on the old YouTube there. We are also on Facebook at the Chronicles of Podcast. Make sure you like it, share it, put some memes, some skits, whatever you want to do. We're all on Facebook there for you to enjoy. But think about it, Jamie. Where else could you find us? On Spotify, listening to all of this week's guest, Joe Matera's incredible music, especially Fallen Angel. I really like that song. And on the Twitter at TCOPod. And whilst you're listening to Joe Matera's uh, excellent back catalogue of all his tunes, especially Fallen Angel, because it's one of your favourites, and on our Twitter. Where else could you find us? Sat there, preparing our questions, ready for our incredible interviews that we're going to be committing at the 2000 Trees Festival very, very soon. And on the Instagram, at TCOPod. Come and see us on TikTok, at TCOPod as well, with Jamie is bashing out a video a day. It's absolutely wonderful to reminisce and see some of the absolute highlights and classic moments we've had as part of this this show. It's uh, it's wonderful. Can't believe we're almost at 100. You can come and find us on LinkedIn at The Chronicles of Podcast. Make sure you come follow us and connect with us on there. You can also come to our beautifully brand spankingly sexy and delicious little website at www.thechroniclesofpodcast.com. You can find out all about us on there. All of our shows and episodes are on there. Our affiliations and sponsors are on there. And our sexy little shop. Or you can get yourself a T-shirt. You can get your Tom's journal. You can get a hoodie. There's loads of bits of pieces in there for you all to enjoy at very reasonable prices. So please come support the show. It would be graciously appreciated. Make sure you follow us on all the social medias at TCO Pod and make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcast. And now, a word from our Jamie. Before we get out of here, let's say thank you to a few of our friends, shall we? Every single piece of music you hear on this show is brought to you by one man. And that one man is the incredible singer-songwriter, Matt Roberts. Go check him out on all the social medias, at Matt Roberts Music. As I said last week, he's got himself a whole bunch of new toys for that studio, so we are very excited to see what Matt will be producing for us very, very soon. But while we wait patiently, go check out his most recent album, Light of Day, and go check out his incredible back catalogue there. Some amazing songs there for you to go and check out. So again... Go check out all social medias at Matt Roberts Music. And of course, we have to say a massive thank you to Mr. Braden Barry and his Stay Cozy Clothing. Head on over to www.staycozyclothing.com or download the smartphone app. Have a look on there. See what you like the look of. There are wonderful hoodies. There are wonderful T-shirts like that one that Mr. Stevens is wearing today. There are wonderful hats 
like that one that Mr. Stevens is wearing today. And there are those delicious mugs. They are fantastic. I love the look of those mugs. Add whatever you like to your basket. And then when you're at the checkout, enter that discount code, The Chronicles, to get yourself 10% off your order. And while you're there perusing staycozyclothing.com, of course, don't forget to go check out the man himself, Braden Barry, and his fantastic music, A Say We Can Fly. Go check out his latest album, Beneath the Roses. It is an absolute doozy. And his latest single, Through the Trees, with its incredible music video, it is absolutely amazing. Go check them both out right now because Braden is wonderful to us so you should be wonderful to Braden. and last but not least we have to say a massive thank you to the sophie lancaster foundation they are stamping out prejudice hatred and intolerance everywhere and everywhere is vitally important this show yes we record it here in the uk yes what happened to sophie happened in the uk but sophie's story and the thing that happened to sophie happened all over the world people are treated differently simply because the way they dress the music they listen to the way they feel the need to express themselves no matter what that is people are being treated differently for that and it's just completely unacceptable today in 2023 these things should not be happening so please if you're not familiar with Sophie's story, head on over to sophielancasterfoundation.com. Familiarise yourself with that story. Maybe share it out with the world. Share it to people who you know are not familiar with that story. If you know someone who's been treated differently because of the way they dress, the music they listen to, the way they choose to express themselves, head them towards the website. There are links there for you to get support. If you are treated differently, head on over to the website because you can get help there and there's different ways you can be supported. We absolutely love this charity. We support them every single week for a reason because myself and Mr. Stevens, when we were younger, were both treated differently because... You guessed it, the music we listen to, the way we dress, the way we chose to express ourselves, and it's time to bring this to an end. We are approaching the festival summer season, as I said last week, and I'm going to say it again because it is absolutely amazing. A massive thank you to everyone who was at the Download Festival who completely sold the guys out. Every single bit of merch was a gun. And it is incredible to see that amazing support. If you do want some merch and you're not at the summer festivals, again, do you know where I'm going to tell you to go? sophielancasterfoundation.com click on the shop tab there and get yourself a wonderful t-shirt like i'm wearing or a hoodie and help support the foundation again we cannot wait to be supporting the foundation in the summer season and their own little plans we've got coming up very shortly as well so yeah and please like i said give them all your love and support and last but not least a massive thank you to my wonderful co-host especially this week putting up with me because i am not on my game <laughs> Have you, uh, have you managed to come down from your soapbox now, yeah? Yeah, come on. That's <laughs> yeah. no, all good. Jamie, another absolutely wonderful guest, another absolutely wonderful show. Joe, thank you so much again for coming on our show. It was graciously appreciated. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on. But, ladies and gentlemen, as for this week, we're going to see you all next week for the Chronicles of Dustin Murphy. Oh, yeah. Good. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.